welcome everybody to TWGTF, or as everyone knows it, from the woods of colonial America to a little place in upstate New York where people go to do horrible things to people because these are horror movies. I don't know how to get out of this. It's happening again. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I am, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. Once again, guys, we are here to bring you our list of the top 10 horror movies of the decade, 2010 to 2019, part due. This is five to one. We will, of course, be giving you 10 to six that we did before, before we get into this. So, Tyler, what, once again, were your 10 to six? My 10 to six were The Crazies, Hounds of Love, The Babadook, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, and Unsane. What were your 10 to 6, Ben? My 10 to 6 were 2016's Raw, 2017's The Killing of a Sacred Deer, 2013's The Conjuring, 2010's I Saw the Devil, and 2011's Fright Night. That leads us now into my number 5. And we are now going to talk about a little movie, but unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to introduce this one because... This movie is slightly higher on someone else's list here, and it's at a pretty pivotal point. So, Tyler, why don't you go ahead and do the intro for this one? Based on New England Folktale, released in 2016, Robert Eggers places a family in 1630s New England, away from any major city, in the middle of the woods, being attacked by a witch. That is, of course, 2016's The Witch. God give you good morrow. All is still a bed. Save mother. Tis no ease to rise on a grey day. The devil holds fast your eyelids. How welcome. Now land thee. Thy mother's not slept tonight since. We can search no more, Caleb. We cannot. If not a wolf, then hunger had taken him yet. Left to the wood. I've been laying traps for some while now, even before this new misery. Within the wood? Will thou not help thy father? Your mother have always forbade us to set foot there. Caleb, our harvest cannot last the winter. We must catch our food if we cannot grow it. We will conquer this wilderness. It will not consume us. Tyler, my first question. How do you spell the witch? Spell with two Vs, because I suck. <laughs> well, I'm putting down the sandwich. You made me laugh. <laughs> I spell it with two V's because I started doing that as a joke because I'm like, oh, look at the typography. It's kind of, it's a little tiny. Look at that. It's funny. And now I can't stop. 
Yeah, that's fair. I can I can appreciate that. So this leads me to my first question. You know what? This we're, this is going to be our first back and forth one. Actually, no, Raw was our first back and forth one. Yeah, I feel like we did a little bit of back and forth with Raw. Yeah, we didn't we really did have that again. idea set up. So I'll ask you, when was the first time you saw this? I didn't see it opening week, but I did see it in the initial run, initial opening span twice. I saw uh, it Friday night in a packed theater. I also saw it in a packed oh, theater. The it was so time, good in a packed theater. It was really good in a packed theater. I the first time I had to, I had I knew I had to go back and rewatch it because I was really unnerved by this like six year old girl that was sitting behind me. And you brought your friend who tried to eat nachos during it. That was the second viewing, but the yeah, that's what time, I mean. That was the second viewing. The first time I was distracted because I kept looking at this like six year old girl who was mortified. Couldn't understand what was going on, but was definitely not having it by the end. So I was like, okay, I gotta get some friends. We gotta go. We gotta see it a second time. I took my friend, my my one of my best friends in the whole world. His name's Raphael. We show up. His friend Dalton. We get separated. We end up sitting like on opposite ends of the theater. But I sit next to Raph, and Raph bought nachos. And I asked him later, I was like, why did you bring nachos to the witch? And he's like, I thought it'd be like one of those like jump scare type horror movies, and not like this slow meditation on like like religion <laughs> so this poor man just kept sitting there just trying to think of when's a good time this really soft silent movie to like crunch down on a nacho <laughs> what would uh, here here you uh you will do the the voice of raf eating nachos i will be the movie what would we come out here in the woods all this around us <laughs> all this all this around us what do you think anna taylor joy hey i'm a little witch i am i'm going to lie upon show look at me i'm anna taylor joy yeah this is on my list too and i saw this friday night opening in a pack theater with like four friends and it's maybe the dead quietest movie i've ever been in yeah it's a really really silent movie yeah, that is of course an actual silent movie outside of those it's interesting. So we both have this on our list. You have this at number two. Yeah, I have this, I have this number at two. number five. For a while, it was flirting with the number one spot. Uh, That's fair. Sure. That's fair. I'm so curious to get to your number one tonight. Uh, we're gonna uh, have fun. Yes, we are. <laughs> you're you're that you're Bill Duke from Predator. I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna have me some fun. Anyone who knows that Predator line is guffawing right now. I promise you. I thought you were referencing deliverance, and I was like, don't don't put no. those two words in my mouth. No. Don't make me. No, we're not doing that. But <laughs> Please don't. Give us a one-minute synopsis on the witch, and I'll do the same. Okay. The people who are religious move to the woods, and the witch finds them. Did I win? It's not a speed race. Oh, oh, to quote the man. guy from Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> it's not a race, boys. You have 50 seconds. <laughs> so the father of a clan uh, feels he's being religiously persecuted, and decides to move them, gamble his whole life savings on moving them to the woods. It goes bad. And Anna Taylor-Joy might be talking to the devil. Uh, who knows? You know what? I don't even need to do a plot synopsis. That was perfect. And there's a fucking goat. There's a go Oh, that goat's a motherfucker. <laughs> oh, he's so great when you finally find out. Okay, so it's set in New World times. And New England, father, yeah. Yeah, New England. And the father is being shunned out of the community for something. And he says, I'm above your reproach. I believe in God's law. Like the like the people who came to England were religious. He's like, they're when they look at him, they go, easy, buddy. Like, come on, church and so state. He's part of the Puritans, yeah. which are the original people who, who stepped foot on, on Plymouth Rock and stuff like that. And he's even more <laughs> than them. He's somehow even more extreme. 
to the point to where they're like, wow, buddy, like <laughs> you got to chill down. Yeah. Um, which and, I think is. Yeah, they're like easy, which is like saying a lot, because I don't know if you've ever read the Scarlet Letter, but I have. And bad time. Bad time. Yeah, not not a good time. Not a good time. I mean, and his family and him go out in the woods because they're like, we're not going to live in this den of vipers and sinners. Okay, buddy. <laughs> I mean, that's what he's pretty much saying. Yeah. No, that's what he says. I think yeah. he says something along those lines. And he I takes, don't know if he it's... takes his, his very tired-looking wife, his two little freaky twins, his son, their newborn baby, and I'll say it, breakout star of this movie, oldest daughter, Anna Taylor-Joy, who is playing Thomason? Oh, even her name Thomason. sucks. Yeah, Thomason. It's a bad yeah. name. It's kind of a doofy-looking name. Sorry, Thomason. If there's anybody out there named Thomason, I apologize. But it's William, Catherine, and Caleb. Yes. And then you have two other daughters. You have two other uh, uh, kids, Mercy and Jonas, but they're not really. You don't see much of them. But Kate Dickey as Catherine is, like, one of the best unsung performances in this movie for me. I think her performance is, like, rivals anybody else in the movie. It's so good. I do enjoy her, but I think Anna Taylor-Joy was just such a startling surprise yeah she's a real out of nowhere person because you're like i've never heard of this person before this is like your first movie and you're absolutely incredible oh that's right that's who she is in game of thrones she's quite good in game of thrones too. yeah she's amazing in game of thrones uh, ralph enison i think is also in game of thrones yeah i believe he is i can't remember who he is though in it i don't watch game of thrones anymore but i know he's in it i think somewhere you know who uh, i want to uh, spotlight real quick who that harvey scrimshaw as caleb He's quite good. He, he, he actually has, might have the scariest moment in the movie. Oh, he has the scariest moment in the movie, and we're going to talk about that. Let me ask you this, Tyler. Does this movie scare you, and what is the scariest moment in the movie? Oh, glad you asked me this, Ben. <laughs> but I'm glad we didn't talk about this prematurely. Yes, this movie scares me. And, of course, the scariest moment is when Caleb makes an, like has like a horrible seizure that looks like he's speaking tongues and then produces an apple. Yeah. So, and you know what? This brings us to the clip. You pick. I you pick the clip for this one. I am very surprised you picked a clip without Anna Taylor Joy in it. I picked this clip because it's something I, I do want to talk about, and it's a theory that I've seen thrown at this movie that okay. makes it kind of make sense. Which is that corn that they're shucking and that 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 they're that they can't grow because it's been poisoned and it won't grow. Um, actually, has ingot in it. And do you know uh -huh. what, or, or ergot, actually, I think is how you pronounce it. And do you know what ergot is? I do not. What is it? So ergot is a very rudimentary hallucinogenic. Mm -hmm. um, and it can cause you to see, like, visions and hear voices and stuff like that. And people theorize, I am one of those people who I'm very fascinated in the Salem witch trials, because as no one, as I've told pretty much everyone I've ever met, my great-great-grandmother was hung as a witch. A lot of, there's a lot more greats in there. But I'm very fascinated in the Salem Witch Trials. And one of the theories is that Ergot got into the water supply and caused the people of Salem to kind of cause the girls maybe to lose their marbles a little bit. And maybe that's why they saw all those visions and stuff like that. And so that could explain some of the supernatural stuff that's happening towards the end of the witch is that it's Ergot poisoning. That's fucking fascinating. I'm serious. Um, like, that's your grandma. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just kind of dropped that in there. Yeah, but, yeah, that's uh, your grandmother was hung as a witch. Not grandmother, but great, 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 oh, great, 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 great yeah, grandmother. Right. I don't know why I said grandmother, but yeah, way your back. Your grandmother's a thousand years old. 
<laughs> but yeah, wow, I'm related to insane. someone who was persecuted in the in the witch trials. So, huh? Ergot. I, Ergot. I never. I've never heard that theory, but that's interesting. I think the last couple minutes of this movie might uh, take it in a different direction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the scene with Black Phillip. <sighs> and when you finally get to that, because this is the scariest moment of the movie for me, when everything has gone down and it is only Anna Taylor-Joy left standing, because this movie actually plays like a horror movie at one point. It does. It, does it becomes for a game of, of who can you trust, kind of. Yeah. And... And Taylor Joy is left there because the dad's dead, the two twins are dead, the mom is dead, the little baby. By the way, I forgot how quickly that baby dies. Oh yeah, that baby—it's that baby is done so less than fifteen minutes into the film. Oh my god, it might be less than five. It's like <laughs> you get out of our colony, I'm leaving your colony. Hi, baby, peekaboo. Oh, where's the baby? Like it's that quick. And oh my god, so. Like, this isn't my number five, and I'm not saying, like, that this, I mean, this isn't my top five. This is an incredible movie. Yeah, this is a movie I've seen three times, and I'm rounding a fourth time, because I'm probably going to watch it this October. Let's, let's be honest. He's making The Lighthouse. You and I are both very excited for The Lighthouse. Very excited for The Lighthouse. And uh, I'll say this, too. This is the first film he did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is his first film. It's a very... A big like whoa what was that? like what is this as your first movie it's it's a real like i can't believe someone had the balls to be like not only is it a period piece not only does everybody speak in the proper parlance of the time but it's also like about witches and it's serious yeah and it works and, and it works and it's really like upsetting mm-hmm. the, it's a dynamite movie. so to circle back to it the black phillip scene she is in a barn by herself and there's this goat this whole time that these two little twins who are brother and sisterhood have been saying, like, oh, Black Philip talks to us. And, like, to say that nowadays would be like, oh, kids are being dumb. But back then it's like, oh, those kids are fucking possessed or something. Like, because we didn't know that, like, yeah, probably most of what you've been told in the Bible might be slightly a little over-exaggerated. Mm-hmm. So she's in the barn and she says, Black Philip, please speak to me. And, and, like, by the way, I don't know how he timed it, but he lets it sit for about, like, 30 seconds. And then you hear a voice and it's not any voice you've heard yet. Mm -hmm. And it's just this guy going like, I can give you whatever you want. It's the line. Would you like to live delicious? Yes. He goes, he goes, would you like a pretty dress? Like, and it's just this low rumbling voice. And she goes, he goes, do you see the book in front of you? And like, it's so unnervingly upsetting. And then Anna Taylor joy takes off her clothes, signs her name in the book. By the way, the great line that closes out, she goes, I can't sign because I don't think she actually knows how to write probably. And he says, Mm. I will guide your hand. And like, just, she takes off her clothes. She wanders into the woods. There's a whole bunch of other witches just dancing nude in the wood. Some of them are quite fetching. Others are maybe the most horrifying thing I've seen. The scene where you see the baby's blood being like, like rubbed all over that witch is so upsetting. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is truly just, ugh. Ugh. Quick question. Yes. What's your take on the ending? Do you, do you think it's a positive ending? Do you think it's a I negative ending? I think it is a metaphor for embracing one's womanhood, even if that can sometimes be a bad thing, but never apologizing for being something that you had no choice in being. I think that's I, the way I would look at it. I think it is positive, but I think it's also a cautionary tale as well. I think it's actually, I will just say I think it's a positive ending. I think it's her being able to 
live her own life and not yeah. be subject to like fucking like being forced to marry someone and pump out kids until you die. Like, Pretty I don't much. know. I, I find that like, I find it such a hopeful ending that even in a, like a time period like that, someone could absolutely escape this like really fucked up like world. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty fair. Why did this make your list? This is legitimately one of my favorite movies of the decade. Okay, so, so this well that if it didn't make my list, I would assume that I have been taken over by some sort of invasion of the body snatchers uh, type scenario. Okay, so I guess that leads me. I mean, no, you say favorite movies of the decade. This would be on your end of the decade list. Yes, for sure. This would be one or two. I wow, really yeah. that high up? Yep. Wow, that is impressive. And you know what? I mean, let's let's just say it. One hour thirty two minutes. And it's a tight one hours and 32 minutes. There's not a thing you can cut from this film. No, it's perfect. Yeah, it's it's really damn close to a perfect movie. I've just got stuff on there that I liked more or caught me better at their time, but this being at five is no condemnation of this movie. It's an no. incredible performance from Anna Taylor-Joy and the entire cast. It's an amazing first, by the way, listen to that again, first film by Robert Eggers. There is not much more I can say than you need to go see The Witch if you haven't seen it. It's a movie that hit me like right at the right spot. It's yeah. both in our it's in both of our top fives. That's a pretty resounding like thumbs up from us. That says something. Yep. So that takes us out of my number five and into your number five, Tyler. My number five is raw and we've talked about it and it's great and you should watch it. Yes, it was raw. I wish I would remember that. It wouldn't sound like such an idiot. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. So I guess that takes us into my... Wow, that really saved some time. Um, yeah, no, we're going to go by this a little bit quicker. Maybe uh, we just put in the conversation from Raw again right there. You could. That'd be great. I don't know why you would. Um, it'd be funny, <laughs> just to fuck with them. Why did they Why did they do a Terrence and Philip episode during the two-part uh, conclusion to oh. who's Eric Cartman's mom? <laughs> I, or who's I Eric Cartman's dad? I how mad people were about Oh, they that. were so pissed. It would be so funny if we did that. We might do it. All right. And that takes us into my number four. A movie about teenage sex and all the terror that follows. A film set in a time that never really comes to be almost an alternate reality. An unknown presence comes into the lives of a girl and her friends and family. A smart sophomore film from David Robert Mitchell takes on a deeper issue under the disguise of a terrifying horror movie. At number four is the 2014 art house film, It Follows. Jay, you awake? I'm sorry. Why did you do it? I'm not gonna hurt you. Don't worry. You're not gonna believe me. And I need you to remember what I'm saying. Okay? This thing, it's gonna follow you. 
Somebody gave it to me. And I passed it to you. Back in the car. It could look like someone you know, or it could be a stranger in a crowd. Whatever helps it get close to you. It can look like anyone. But there's only one of it. Sometimes, sometimes I think it looks like people you love just to hurt you. soon as you can. Just pass it along. If it kills you, it'll come after me. Do you understand? When did you first see it? I saw It Follows probably about four months after it came out. Probably when it was on. It had a pretty quick come to uh, VOD, Blu-ray, DVD, VHS, Betamax, whatever you want to call it. And I got to tell you, up until a movie that will be a little higher on my list, this was the most upsetting movie and probably held the number one spot for a while. Wow, really? Yes, uh, It Follows came out in 2014, I believe is what I said. And this movie just works on a lot of levels. And it's a movie that's weirdly, once again, on a shoestring budget that just just works on every level for me. It came out in the summer that year, right? I believe that is correct. Because def- I've seen it. I saw it in theaters. Oh, you got to see this in theaters? I'm truly jealous. In theaters. I remember because it was also because Naomi got so scared that uh, she snuck me into her house and I slept in her bed because she was uh, so afraid. Wow. Wow. Look at that. It follows monster. Brielle made me leave the lights on to go down to our bed. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a it's a scary little movie in some ways. And it's a movie that's actually weirdly about a very big social issue, which is what great smart horror does. Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. Um, I think it's probably the highest concept. Conceptually, I think it's probably like the highest thing that we have. Well, it's the second highest conceptually thing that we yeah, have here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I forgot what my number one was for a second. <laughs> oh, I, I think there's another movie you could argue on here, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, potentially even two. But point is... It is about this girl who goes out with this guy and they you they really slow play you for like the first 20 minutes of this movie. It would be definitely one of those slow burns where you're kind of like, I don't know what's happening. This guy kind of seems jumpy and weird. By the way, before you see this, you see a girl running out of her house in the middle of the morning and something, or you can't tell what's going on, but she just keeps running and keeps looking at nothing. And you find out through the course of this movie, once you actually meet the main character, who's this girl who goes on a date with a guy, And the guy ends up sleeping with her. 
And then the guy kind of grabs her, like we told you before, and you see her wake up tied to a chair. And the guy essentially tells her, look, you slept with me. I had this thing following me. And the only way you can get rid of it is to fuck somebody else. And then it becomes their problem. Essentially giving you the, what like um, STDs. Are. It's a metaphor for STDs, first of all. That's, that's I the don't thing. even... But I think it's a metaphor for how you deal with STDs. I think it's more of a metaphor for like... I get, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've always thought of it as like a metaphor for like... Not sexual innocence, but like a metaphor for like... I don't know where I'm going with this. You can edit this all out. No, no, you're fair. I, I understand what you mean. But I think, uh, you know what we'll say? I think what you're trying to say is it's a metaphor for, like, maybe loss of innocence. Yeah, maybe. Because they're all, like, high schoolers yeah. um, in this movie. She's um, a little older, I think. I she? think she's going to college. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that feels like college age. Okay. So, first of all, I want to get into this. Why does this movie feel like it's set in an alternate reality? Because it is sort of set in an alternate reality. Because, like, um, the phones and everything. Like, she has that, like, clamshell phone where she's that reading she something re on it. Yeah, it's weird. And all of the cars look like they're from, like, the 70s and 80s. There's not a whole lot of modern cars in it. Yeah. Well, and they're watching on old televisions, too. Do you notice that? Yeah, it feels sort of out of time. You would think you would think with, like, how neon it is, it kind of feels like it's set in the 80s. But it's, it's clearly not. I'm not going to bag on the movie <laughs> but this definitely isn't mm. my cup of tea so i'm kind of curious as to see like what you well, find so disturbing about it well let's go to uh again that takes us into the next question which is it does what, this scare you and what is the scariest moment i'll tell you what the scariest moment is and i'll tell you what scares me about this there are things in this world that are really upsetting. The reason the thing is so effective for me is that the thing can be anything. The beauty of this movie is you literally can't stop this thing. It's an unstoppable force and it can look like anything it wants. And it usually picks something pretty upsetting. I never put together what the last thing they see it is as what that's supposed to be. And that's truly a horrifying moment. And not only that too, if other people have not contracted this, you can't see it. Like, one of the most brilliant parts of this movie is there's, like, scenes where they're doing stuff, but they're reacting to nothing. That's really solid acting from all these kids. That is. And I think and it's that, just, it's a modern horror movie. Like, they've done this before, but they're doing it on, like, a modern, almost meta level. And it's really well done. David Robert Mitchell may have another movie coming up later in the year on another list of mine. Good is God. really, really, really good at just taking these characters and, like, making you care about them. In a way uh, that's, like, hard to do, I think. I think I really liked it the first time I saw it. I think I remember being like, yeah, it's pretty good. And then, like, it was when I watched it a second time where I was just like, I don't know if I agree with the, that assessment, Tyler. That's, I don't find, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time with, not the kids, just, like, I don't know. I just have a hard time buying the world. I get you. It's getcha. such, like, a well-realized world. And, like, I was just like, I don't know. It's something about it. I'm just like, eh. Just, nah. <laughs> I get you. I get you. I'm with you on that. I can appreciate that. It's just, it, um, it, yeah, it's just not for me. I, I get you. That's that's a fair statement. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's all I want to say on that. I guess we can get on to the next one. Okay, well, let's say, well, why did it make your list? It made my list because, like I said, for a long time, it was holding the belt of best horror movie of the decade. I just was very impressed by this. I'd never heard of David Robert Mitchell. He was, that. once again, I want to point out that I think, let me take a look here. One, two, Three, four. All all of my top five are first time films. 
Like that's a pretty impressive thing to be able to do. And when you, if you get someone coming out of the right gate with a horror movie, man, can they grab your attention? David, or I'm sorry, this is, I'm sorry. This is not his first film. Four of my top five are it, but I had never heard of a uh, history of an American sleepover or whatever the hell that movie was called. This was the first movie I saw from him. And this was a striking first film. And it's just, it's beautifully done too. And it, it doesn't play by technical, like, conventions it kind of makes up its own rules and at the end of it you're just really not quite sure but it has you looking over your shoulder the entire time yeah i think it captures what's so haunting about also it's kind of my lynch movie this is more accessible lynch but this is like this is like blue velvet like where you're like i get what this is about and i can follow this but it's still in that beautifully creepy out of time experience yeah what i was gonna say is i think this i think it captures the idea of like giving your body to someone and how terrifying that can be and how terrifying that can feel. And at the end of the day, it's also kind of like a cute love story about two people who realize they are best for each other because neither of them is going to walk away from this problem that they have. Are they best for one another or is she settling? (laughs) I mean, yeah, she's very question. I always look the other guy. Oh man. When he gets, Oh God, it's so upsetting. Eats it. Yeah. Really bad. Like, just, like, gets fucking absorbed by his own mother in a very creepy sex scene. Bleh. It's great. Um, That's a really good part. Would this be on the your best of the decade list? It's close, but no. It would just be in, like, the top 25, probably. But it's good. I like it a lot. But no, not on the best of the decade. So, that takes us out of my number four and into your number four. My number four is maybe the most a movie has ever felt like it's been made for me. It's about punk kids. It's about, they, they're in rural Oregon. It, uh, it, there's a lot of, a lot of bad Nazis. So there are no good, very bad, don't get it. And it's also a thriller by one of my favorite up-and-coming directors, Jeremy Saulnier. And it's the 2016 movie Green Room. Code. Yeah, sorry guys, we have to make room for the headliner. Cow catcher, right? Yes. Got to clear up. Okay. Here you are. Mm-hmm. And it's all there. And you guys follow me? Okay. All right. Move, move, move. Two more two years for the road. Come on. Take this. You got that? I'll be careful. I understand. Ah, shit, my phone. What? My phone. Uh, I'll catch you. I got you. Thanks. Excuse me, y'all. Shit. You call the cops. Fuck that. Hey, stop! Motherfuck! I told you to follow. No! 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 Yeah, I, I, yes, I am. I don't know. There's been a, a bit of stabbing. She, whoa! Whoa! Something terrible. And now, an impression for all of you listeners from Ben. He will now be doing Patrick Stewart in Green Room. Let him bleed. <laughs> when did you first see this, and what is your waffle-thin plot? Opening week. 
Yep. A punk band is forced to fight for survival after witnessing a murder in fucking a rural Oregon Nazi skinhead bar. Uh, it's rough and a lot of, lot of, lot of violence in this. I gotta say, it's not something I want to give them credit for, but man, Nazis, the last truly hateable enemy that everyone can get behind. They're out there. Like, they're real. Oh, no, like, they are. They are. And that's the thing. It's because they're real. It's not some fictitious thing. Be like, remember when J.R.R. Tolkien came up with the Nazi? It's like, no, this is a real fucking thing. I don't know like, why I am, but. Fuck Tolkien. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Someone had to watch that Tolkien movie and he's pissed. <laughs> threw an asterisk around my room. <laughs> you get your hands off me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We found out last time Tyler doesn't like the Lord of the Rings movies and we have to watch them now. Oh, man. Yeah, I well, the, do you know anything about the where this takes place? I sort of. know that Oregon is exceptionally racist. Y- yes, specifically like the outskirts of anywhere that is in Portland, pretty much bad bad times in Oregon. But Oregon itself actually <laughs> wrote it into the Constitution of Oregon that blacks could not live here. So <laughs> that is, uh, that is love. Anna's thing to put on your. Uh... You're a welcome sign. It's real balty. Not in a good way. In a, in a very bad way. You know what? To steal a joke from Norm MacDonald, I don't want to prejudge someone, but uh, seems like kind of a dick. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I saw this uh, when it came out, and I was so energized by it. And I was just like, fuck, whoa, fuck, you can make a movie like this? That I went back and saw it like the next week, like straight away, like before work one, one afternoon. It's truly a movie about survival because in no uncertain terms, if these Nazis get a hold of you, they are going to shoot you and bury you somewhere in the woods. And that will be the story of you. And this punk band is not going out without a fight. And we have to say it. Who's in this movie, dude? Anton Yelchin and Imogen Poots and Alicia Stockat. I want to believe that those two were like, I don't know if either of them was dating and if they were, I hope they didn't do this, but I want to believe those two had a little fling across the sets of uh, these movies. I feel like they were friends. By the way, by the way, is it Imogen Poots? Is that how you say it? I have always said that name Imogen. That's better than Imogen Poots, I guess. I'm not sure if I'm right. That's just how I've always pronounced it. Well, I'm going to say Imogen Poots too. I like that better. So Imogen Poots, by the way, rocking one of the best worst haircuts. It's up there with Javier Bardem's haircut from No Country for Old Men. Fuck, that's a bad haircut. I like remember seeing like the the trailer for this, and I was like, God, she looks terrible. I love it. (laughs) Give me more. Yeah, this was one of the first movies I was ever really like excited for because i had seen the director's earlier movie and that was blue sapphires blue ruin blue ruin i have not seen this yet blue ruin which had it fallen more in the horror category and if i was able to stuff two directors onto this list might have made it blue ruin now that i'm thinking about it might be a movie we're talking about at the end of the year fair enough because uh, I fucking love Blue Ruin. Another one of my all-time faves. So I saw Blue Ruin. I was like, I have to see whatever this guy does next. It happens to be the movie that is almost designed perfectly for me to like it. When it came out, I was like, I'm first night, I'm there. I'm in an empty theater. I'm by myself. <laughs> we did not have a big... I remember the audience, too. Very limited. Yeah, um, you might have actually wanna... sold me my soda that I had that night. Did I really? <laughs> Probably. Ah, oh, nice. I want to shout out Ali Shawcat. 
Yeah, Elisa, what is it? Aaliyah Shawkat? Aaliyah Shawkat. Uh, she is maybe from Arrested Development. She is fantastic in this movie. She's one of the... But she's the drummer, right? No, she is the... Bassist? Yeah. I think Tiger is the drummer. No, wait. Daniel, Gabe? I don't know. Daniel's the drummer. Okay. And that's going to lead me to my final person I want to talk about. Patrick fucking Stewart is in this movie. And he plays the leader of the Nazis. And fuck me, is he just the perfect, like, final boss, I guess is the way I'd put it. He's such an effective, like, overlord. Just kind of like... He doesn't get his hands dirty, but he gets his hands dirty, if that makes sense. the way the Nazi in Marathon Man plays it. Yeah. Like Olivier plays it. He's playing it super menacing, but he never really does anything. No. He he kind of does what Hans Landa does, too. It's super pulled back until the end. If all of this goes haywire and they're able to get the cops, his hands are clean. He doesn't go to jail. Everyone else goes to jail. Well, remember what he says. He goes, and remember, everyone, it's not a party, it's a movement. Ugh. Like, oh, he's so odious and terrible. And, and, he's, and he's willing to do anything because he knows what's at stake. Cause, and the movie's like, I mean, oh, my, it's got... So let's move on to the next part. Um, does this scare you, and what is the scariest moment? Um, yes, uh, when Anton Yelchin reaches through the door, I think he's trying to grab something or he's holding on to something oh, or someone, oh. like a phone, I think. And they just, like, stab him through no, the door. No, in his hand, yeah. No, in his arm, too. Like, it's up Yeah, that's what arm. I mean. Yeah, it's just, like, they cut... They, it's all only his arms exposed, but, man, do they cut the shit out of him. It, that is the fucking upsetting. Like, that when is the worst. When a Bogut Boots comes out of the, uh, out of the couch mm-hmm. is so good. That is also really good. The when they turn off all the lights and Imogen Poots just has the lighter. That's not even a scary moment. I just wanted to talk about it because it's so good. It is. It's it's a weirdly effective movie. That and you know what? I'm going to bet you one hour thirty five minutes. That's yeah. the beauty of a good horror movie. It can be in and out, and it will stick with you because of how relentlessly shocking it was. I want to talk about someone else really quick. Go ahead. Um, because I, I love him, and he's in Blue Ruin. Macon Blair, who plays Gabe, uh, who is the kind of like the underboss of the skinheads. Okay, I see this guy. He did a movie called... He, he directed a movie called... Oh, he's also in his movie Hold the Dark. This is like his Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's in, I think, every single one of his movies. Uh, I think they're friends that go way back. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. The guy who plays the underboss directed this movie... No, he directed, um, I don't, yeah, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Really? Braille's always been telling me about this movie. It's a great movie. You should oh, watch I'm it. I'm going to have to watch it. Okay. Um, it's like a, com- like, a, like a drama, like a comedy crime movie. Interesting. It's got Melanie, Lewin- Melanie Linsky in it. Very good. You should watch it. But yeah, Megan Blair is, he's in all of Salonier's movies. He's in Blue Ruin. He's a star. He's in Death Party or whatever that first movie is. And he's also in Hold the Dark, which is sadly a movie because I just I hate Netflix. I have not seen yet. So I'll get to that. I, I've been putting it off and totally forgot about it until just now. But yeah, Megan Blair, really good. Okay. He's um, also in Logan Lucky. <laughs> he, he plays... Uh, Who isn't um, Logan Lucky? He plays Hilary Swank's partner in Logan Lucky. Oh, God. Oh, what a wonderful pairing. I like that, was, that, actually. That was like a weird thing where I was like, oh, my God, Macon Blair, like the only person who, who popped for Macon Blair. 
But I was like, I want to see that buddy cop movie because like they're perfect for one another. Fair enough. So that leads me to the question. Why is this on your list? This is the of Tyler's picks. This is probably the most of Tyler's picks. It's horror. It's punk. They play Nazi punks. Fuck off. It's violent and upsetting. And it's just it has the perfect the perfect last line of all time. It's an all-timer for me. All of those reasons. Could not agree more. Just, it's very upsetting. You you know what? I'm going to say this. You, you said it best. Like, it's it's the most Tyler movie ever. Yeah. And there's a, there's a theme on my uh, horror movies, which is maybe not, maybe less scary and more just like tr- traumatically upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> and would this be on your end of the decade list? I feel like, sadly, it might be just outside of it. Fair uh, enough. But I, it would, it there would, it would put up a fight for it, like maybe like the ten, ten spot spot because okay. I really do absolutely love it. Okay, fair enough. Oh, let's see. Well, that takes us out of your number four and into my number three, and I mentioned earlier with Fright Night, it was the second most watched movie on my list. We now come to the first most rewatched movie on my list because I certainly do believe what is best is not always easiest. And the two movies that are ahead of this are a lot tougher subject matter to deal with. Not necessarily all the time, but they're just not something you can put on at every point. I'm now giving you the most rewatchable horror movie of 2010 to 2019. The film I have rewatched the most on this list. Why? Because sometimes what is best is not always the most easy. This movie is fun from strange start to outrageous end. Its attention to mythology and use of tropes to create a meta-horror movie for the ages is absolutely spellbinding. First-time writer-director Drew Goddard takes the horror genre and completely turns it on its head. Number three is, of course, 2012's The Cabin in the Woods. No, they've already been picked. What? No. Who took them? Maintenance. Maintenance? They pick the same thing every year. What do you want from me? If they were creative, they wouldn't be in maintenance. Now, you're going to have to split this if you win. You want to switch? Um, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? More than anything, I, j- I just want this moment to end. Not betting? Not for me. Thanks. Seems a little harsh, doesn't it? It's just people letting off steam. This job isn't easy. Whoever those clowns may behave. Does the director... Do they know about this downstairs? The director doesn't care about this stuff. As long as everything goes smoothly upstairs, as long as the kids do as they're told... But then it's fixed. No, no, no. no. How can you wager on this when you control the outcome? Well, we just get them in the cellar. They take it from there. No, they have to make the choice of their own free will. Otherwise, the system doesn't work. It's like the harbinger. This creepy old fuck practically wears a sign, you will die. Why do we put him there? The system. They have to choose to ignore him, and they have to choose what happens in the cellar. Yeah, we rig the game as much as we need to, but in the end, they don't transgress. They can't be punished. So what's it going to be, Truman? You in? Windows closing. I'm fine. Okay. That's it, gang! The board is locked! Oh, let's get this party started! When did you first see this? I think I saw this two weeks after it had come out in theaters. 
I distinctly remember there being a decent amount of people in there. I remember there being like a little bit of buzz behind this movie. Uh, well, it people. sat on a shelf for a while. Yeah, and I feel like people had been like, oh, there's this like movie. It's like, you know, it's kind of like meta and they don't really know what to do with it. And then when it finally got released, I feel like from every podcast I was listening to, I was hearing people go like, we'll watch the movie. <laughs> It's it's quite Go a good movie. movie. And one thing I cut out of my intro that I edited earlier in there because I'd never forget at one point Chris Hemsworth was a teen heartthrob. Or was a twenty something heartthrob. <laughs> he was a teen heartthrob. He was yeah. a twenty something heartthrob. Okay, so the paper thin plot. A group of twenty somethings, a scholar, a fool, an athlete, a whore, and a virgin head to a cabin in the woods. Stop me if you've heard this before. However, what we find out is the monsters that are coming after them are not some weird supernatural force. They're actually being brought in by a shadow government group doing it so they can appease giant evil gods that will rise and kill everyone on Earth if they are not given this performing show of murder and mayhem. Essentially saying to you that, hey, maybe every horror movie you've ever seen is actually a bunch of kids being killed because we're trying to appease the gods. Like, every scenario of horror is just an appeasement to the gods. Can I yeah. be honest here? Go right ahead. You don't like this movie. I don't really. No, I don't. And I think the reason is I don't want movies that I like in genres to like to ask me why I like what I like. I just like what I like. I don't want to think. About okay. It. Tyler, I'm glad you said that. And I thought this is where you were going with that. Right now, uh, and I, you got to keep in mind, Tyler, I didn't see this movie. So I'm, I'm basing it off of what I saw from the trailers. Right now, you're uh, you're that boy in Boy Erased, and I'm Russell Crowe in Boy Erased, and he's gonna help you out, Tyler. We're gonna we're gonna get you on the the right path, which is loving Cabin in the Woods, just loving it all to hell. Are I don't you saying, I, wait? <laughs> I don't know what Boy Erased is about. I'm basing it off of the trailers. It seems oh. like Russell Crowe was a good guy in that movie. Am I right on that, or am I horribly wrong? I feel like you're horribly wrong because well, like uh, well then, well then, edit on. it all Stop out. Ben, 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 Ben. Do you know what Boy Erased is about? Hold on. <laughs> Full, full disclosure, I knew he was a bad guy the whole time. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Part of me was really thinking about letting you just go with it for a while. I almost had an aneurysm. <laughs> he knows what this movie's about, right? No, no, he just wants him to love Jesus and, you know, not dick. Like, I was the girl from Raw, like, like wiping at my nose, looking at the blood and being like... <laughs> yeah, no, okay. But point being is, I think I can get you maybe more on this movie's side than not. Maybe. I have a hard time with movies where it's like, man, it's like kind of... It's you kind of love, you love you Last like. Action Hero. It's the I, same premise. But it's I, the same I thing. I love it's, Last Action Hero because it's making fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger and he doesn't even making know making fun of horror movies. But like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just, maybe maybe I, I'm a part of like the nerd syndrome where it's like, yeah. don't make fun of this thing I like. like, no, I, like I, I can appreciate that. I don't think it's making fun. I think it's paying loving homage. Drew Gardard loves horror movies. You can tell. The stuff yeah. in this movie is so clever. And it's you got to admit, this is a really well, like production-wise, a really beautifully well-done movie. I All the monsters are incredible. Yeah, I feel like a lot. some of the... It suffers from the mid-2000, like the mid-aughts uh, gray effect, where everything just was kind of, because of like Twilight or something, everything just had this like fucking like dark... <laughs> tones so like fright us... night like i we were not i didn't bring this up while we were watching this but that movie kind of grayed out a little bit i was just like wow this is a dark movie like literally from looking at it it That's feels fair. sort of similar it's in the same or the same sort of dna 
So let us look at the people in this movie. We have Anna Hutchinson as Jules. She plays the character of, in the in a horror movie, the morally loose girl, the whore. But it's not her fault this time. You find out that there's a reason for it. We then have the athlete who's played by Chris. By the way, Chris Hemsworth getting to play a modern version of this character. Like, and once again, why the why is the jock an asshole? There's a reason for it. Like, I love that they kind of like do this thing. We then have Jesse Williams as Holden, who's kind of the scholar or like kind of like your not final girl, but like the girl, the fi- the guy you would hope the final girl ends up with. Mm, okay. And then we have Kristen Conley as our final girl. And in a surprising turn, I'm going to give this guy the main billing. Fran Kranz as Marty, the stoner, who actually becomes, and this is one of my favorite things, they make the stoner a useful character. Like, the fool actually turns out to be the guy who's ahead of it the whole time. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's it's a really well-constructed movie. And not only that, these are all really solid performances. And not just that, you're also backed up by an incredibly great secondary group. There's two movies going on in this movie. Yeah. And, like, there's the movie, like, where the people, like, there are the people trying to kill these kids, and there are the kids trying to stay alive. And it's really fun. Richard Jenkins is incredible in this movie. I Yeah, I love Richard Jenkins. Oscar winner. Oh, wait, did he win an Oscar? He did, I believe. I think. He might have. I'm going to look that up really quick. And Bradley Whitford is the other guy. We'll talk about him later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he was nominated for The Shape of Water. That's what I thought. I thought and, the, he... and The Visitor he was nominated. Weird. The Visitor? A movie about an African couple living in someone's house, and he finds them, and he like becomes friends with them. Oh my god, okay. When you said The Visitor, I, I, I immediately thought, oh, okay, that movie. Yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you. I thought you were talking about this, like, 70s psychedelic, uh, late 70s, early no. 80s psychedelic giallo. No, <laughs> no, like, no. what? Yeah, Richard Jenkins, who was in it, didn't you know? Yeah, no, he uh, put the voice of God. You don't remember yeah. him? So there's this group of people, like, trying to hunt them down. Is the movie scary? Does uh, What's the scariest scene? It is scary. It, it is actually scary. And I will say this, this is, when the, the higher up you get on my list, the more, like, things I remember deeply about this. I remember the moment in this where the woman is just shooting. So, there, essentially what happens is, this scenario of the cabin in the woods is so that they can appease these giant evil gods. We told them that before. The way it works is, these kids go down into the basement, and whatever they pick out of that basement to fuck with, as is all great horror movies, the idea is you find something you shouldn't mess with, you mess with it, it pays you back. Whatever they touch comes up to get them, and it's brought up by this government group that's doing this to appease these gods. And they raise this family called the Buckners. And the Buckners are this, like, pain-worshipping devil. By the way, all the people who work for this shadow government are betting on this. I think that's one of the legit, low-key, funniest moments in the movie. That is that is, that is a moment that I enjoyed. I, the great line, he goes, he goes, I don't think we have one of these. He goes, zoology swears we do. He goes, well, they'd know. Is so good. And, like, the scene between the intern and him, he goes, he goes, oh, you have to split the fee with maintenance. He goes, maintenance? They pick the same thing every year. He goes, what do you want from me? If they were clever, or they wouldn't be maintenance. He goes, what do you think I should? He goes, honestly, I just want this conversation to end. Like, you can always get laughs out of the two, like, guys running the scenario. I love, and the movie opens on them. Like, it just looks like they're at a job, and you're like, did I walk into the wrong movie? But, well, then it says in giant letters, Cabin. And, and, and the big scream, Cabin in the Woods. But the low-key scary, and I'll say this, this is what I remember, and it's not scary for me, but when my sister went to see this with us, when that woman is shooting that clown, and the clown just does not stop, 
and almost seems to take the bullets as kind of an enjoyment. Bethany was like, no, 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 and just like turned her head away. So yeah, I would say that might be the scariest moment that I witnessed. I'm going to be real. I have a very hard time with straight comedy horror movies or horror comedies. It's a difficult line to walk, but I think it does it very well. I just, I, I just have a hard time with it because I'm just like, I feel like laughter undercuts tension. And you didn't enjoy like, the scene with the harbinger. Uh, you got to remind me what that scene is. Where, where he's on the phone with him. He goes, he goes, don't be blind to it, boy. They're at the killing field. He goes, am I on speakerphone? No, because like I stop, like don't make fun, like I don't know. I, it's like a weird nerd rage, but I'm just like, you don't, don't like them lampooning something, yeah. In this, like I get, like I get it when it's like scary movie does it because it's like I'm in the well, position lamp- to laugh they're lamp- at it. They're lampooning it there, whereas this is more of like a generous send up. Yeah, but it's it's. I think it's worse uh, in many ways. Hmm. I think it, I think you're tearing down slasher genre well, which is like that I mean, but genre that's, that's any genre if you were to break down the james bond movies here's the simplistic thing he's a misogynist spy who really doesn't follow the rules and by all accounts should be dead several times over but somehow keeps lucking his way into victory but if you do that you ruin that movie as opposed to he's a suave guy who like always gets the girl and always has a cool line to say like if you break anything down it's like that horror but movies like, are not complicated it's meant to scare you i agree but like I think there have been movies that have broken it down and did did them interestingly. And movies from this decade, too, like Tragedy Girls. Scary Movie 4 is tragedy, an interesting example. Tragedy Girls? I like Tragedy Girls. Shut What's up. Tragedy Girls? Tragedy Girls is a movie where two girls start murdering their classmates for, like, Instagram likes, essentially. Oh, I don't, I don't Not know Not, like, that. for Instagram likes, but, like, they murder them and then they post, like, sad pictures of, like, their friends and stuff like that on Instagram. Oh, it's a really good movie. I did um, not know that. Weird. There's... There was another slash movie called uh, Final Girls. I like Final Girl. That was um, that was that was on my top thirty list for this year, or like, for the decade. For, for the, the decade. decade. And I feel like there's a lot of movies that like did interesting stuff with the genre. I can't get over the fact that Cabin in the Woods is just like kind of pointing and laughing, and I don't think it's intentional. I think it's totally me reading into the movie. So okay, God, this this is a it's so weird. We've turned the questioning around to the other side. Then that leads me to ask this question. When we went to Bad Times at the... By the way, the only movie Tyler and I have ever seen in a theater together is Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how well we talk about movies. Yeah, you would think we would have seen a bunch of movies, but we never actually did. That's the only thing. Let me ask you this. How did you feel about that, knowing that this was what he was coming off of? I didn't know it was the same guy. So I came in with zero expectations. I was just like, this movie kind of seems like a Tarantino movie. Like, kind of like one of those, like, weird 90s Tarantino movies where it's like, Mm -hmm. it's Tarantino light because it's someone else doing Tarantino and it's not quite as good. Okay. I kind of liked Bad uh, Bad Times of the Royale. And I kind of like Kevin Woods. Like, I'm not, like, saying it's a terrible movie. Okay, okay. I'm just saying my main problem is just, like, I like what I like. I don't need people to like make fun of it. I don't know. It 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 does walk a fine line. There's aspects I do like. I like the whole running down of all of the things that could attack him because that's that's very fun. And undead family wins, which is like the one no one picks because <laughs> it's the most boring you, option. Oh my god, it's so great. Do you have a favorite creature or thing? I love Richard Jenkins. I love whoever is like. Oh, no, no, Bradley Whitford, I think, is the one. He always yes. picks, um, he always picks like, the merman. The, yes. 
You got to admit, that's a really good, like, 25-minute joke that they pay off. Yeah, that's a really good... That's a, more than 25 minutes. It's a big chunk of the time. Because it's like, he picks it in, like, 30 minutes, and it doesn't pay off until the very end of the movie. It's really true. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so, yeah, continue. I don't know. I feel like it's just a movie that's, like, try, that tried to revitalize... Not even slashers, because it's not really a slasher. It just has the slasher setup. Yeah. I don't know. It's a movie I've had a lot of trouble. I've I went back and rewatched it a few years ago, and I still was just like, I kind of don't. I just kind of don't. You know what I mean? Look, you're. Yeah, no, you're allowed to not like it. It's it's totally an understandable thing. It just, I just, it is stuck with me. I think this is actually. No, never mind. No, well, yeah, this might actually be the longest holder on the list because even though 2010, I saw The Devil is on here, I didn't see that till like this year. So yeah, I think this has been on the list the longest, and it's just held. It's just held on. It's it's a really fun movie. Like, it's just, it's got like, God. no, I didn't get back Fright Night is the longest one. But this is, I mean, this is, it's infinitely rewatchable for me. I love like how much attention to detail they have. Like, I love that you get every type of monster in it. Like, and there are some that like, I'll say this too. The trailer to this does not spoil this movie, which is pretty surprising. That's good. I guess what you're kind of circling around is to why is this on my list? It's just, it's fun. Like, hands down, it's fun. I mean, I could see that. I, 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 it's, I don't know. It's just one of those movies where, like, everyone else is having so much fun with this movie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you go to watch it, and you're just like, I kind of don't understand what you guys like about this. And, That's like, fair. they tell you, and you're just kind of like, I'm st- I still don't get it. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. You just throw your hands up and just be like, I don't know. That's fair. That's like, I'm not really mad good. about it or anything like that. I don't hate it. It's just like, it's just like a shrug for me. <laughs> Yeah, would this make your uh, best of the decade list? It would not, but it is certainly probably clamoring outside of it, somewhere close. I can't even give you where, but it is a very good movie. I think it's very fun. It just, it makes me happy. It has one of the greatest, like, fake-out deaths I've seen in a movie. I'm, I'm looking at you, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth's death is so funny. Like, the pop that got from our audience was just spellbindingly funny. I think I rolled my eyes when I saw it. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. angry little hipster. I, I, I not a hipster. I don't I like that label anyway. Okay, so we are on to your number three. Is that correct? My number three. My number three is. Put, Wait, am, uh, I, am I reading? Am I reading this one since you read for the witch? Oh, I thought I was doing the intro since. You oh, did. did the, oh, the wait. Witch. You. I did the intro. Never mind. Take it away. Okay. You sure? Yeah. Go for it. Okay. The movie that proves coming out in February is not always a death sentence. More to the opposite, it can take a film and ingrain it into the public consciousness and stay there all the way to the following award season. It garnered four major Oscar nominations and took home Best Original Screenplay. The other nominations would be Director, Lead Actor, and Picture. It addresses major issues of our time that we are still facing today. It also gave us a new filmmaker and voice of a generation in both cinema and horror. This is 2017's masterpiece from Jordan Peele and comes in at number three on Tyler's list and number two on mine, 2017's Get Out. Hey, handsome. Are you packing? Rose, we gotta go. We gotta go now. Okay. Okay. Is everything okay? I'll tell you in the car, but we gotta go right now. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh... Let me go get my bag. Okay. 
You ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm just looking. Just looking for my camera. Um, it's right here. Have you got the keys? I'm gonna put the, the bags in the trunk real quick. Okay. Um, yeah, they are in here somewhere. It's just a matter of finding them. Yeah. Are you okay? Take me a second. Hey, uh. Oh, you can't find those keys? Hmm? No, I can never find them. <laughs> Let's do this on the move. Yeah. Yes. Let's get the keys. Yo. Yo, man. Where you going? The party was just getting started. I'm just putting bags in the car, man. Would anyone like tea? No, I'm good. We leaving, actually. Really? Why? Is something wrong? Rose? His dog got really sick, so he has to be at the vet first thing in the morning. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, how terrible. Rose, the keys. Looking. Rose? What is your purpose, Chris? What is your purpose? Right now, he's finding those keys. Yeah. Huh. Fire. It's a reflection of our own mortality. We're born, we breathe, and we die. Rose? I'm lucky. Even the sun will die someday. But we are divine. We are the gods trapped in cocoons. Rose. I don't know where they are. Rose! Rose! Rose, give me those keys! Rose, give me, give me those keys. Rose, now! Now, the keys! Oh, 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 be careful, bro. What the fuck? I didn't do anything. What the fuck is going on? Where are those keys, Rose? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? So this is your number three, and this is my number two. Yeah. Uh, let's go back and forth and ask the questions. Tyler, where were you when you? Where did you first see this, and what is your paper thin plot? I think I saw this at. I don't think it was Riverside. I think I saw this at Park Lane. It's not somewhere. I saw it when it played in theaters because I was like, we have to go see that. That's mm -hmm. that's that's the that's a real deal right there. We got to see this. No, I was at the IMAX in Sparks, and I remember because the first scare, Naomi dumped like half the popcorn on the floor, and it was very funny. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so this is when Lakeith Stanfield gets grabbed. Yeah, <laughs> she's like all the popcorn. <laughs> just fucking throw the point. You're like, well, I'm like, glad I spent twelve dollars on that. She's like, um, please don't yell at me, Tyler. You're like, you'll hear it. <laughs> so yeah, I remember vividly seeing it. I remember like the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, yeah, it's good. I just, I don't, 
I had like some like reservations about it, weirdly, because everyone was like, oh, it's one of the best of the year. It's like, one of the best of the decades, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't until I saw it like a couple more times where I was like, no, actually, this movie's, this movie's fucking masterpiece. <laughs> I am going to say this. I was unaware of this movie for like the first three weeks it was running. I knew we had it. I didn't really know anything about it. For some reason, I had missed the trailer completely. And we went like four weeks later, me and Brielle, and we sat down. And here's the thing, and you maybe know this, Tyler. Do you know what the best theater to watch a movie in at the Riverside is? I feel like I've been in every single one of those pens. Are you watching like a smaller movie? You watching like a big movie? I think in all honesty, doesn't matter what movie. If you watch it in four, you are yeah. in for a real treat. Because four screen is bigger than the actual room it's supposed to be in. And it's like, and it's a weirdly intimately small theater. That's the one that's like the last one on the left side. This you can edit this out because yes, it's no, it totally is. No, no we're talking about this. No, people need to know. Riverside Theater, theater number four, best theater. Yeah, no, that was. I think I've seen like a. I saw like fucking youth in that theater one night for some reason. By the way, it's playing youth in four is one of the best trailers ever cut. Great, great trailer. Yeah, that that was a weird movie. Yeah, Youth is a weird one. I sent my dad the download website for that, and he texted me back like two and a half hours later. He goes, I watched Youth. He goes, hey, I say that woman is quite fetching. Also, that's a weirdly good movie. Yeah, it's a movie that kind of like messed me up. I was like, wow. That's, that's I'm going to die one day. Yeah, no. But get out. Sodden 4, and... It's my number two on the list. And to be honest, up until a point, it was number one. Nothing was going to stop Get Out as far as I was concerned. I was slightly wrong, but... Did you go back when they played it again? No, I did not. No, uh, I did, because I, I had grown to appreciate it after it had been like released. And it was on HBO Go, and like, I'd watch it again. And I was like, oh, it's, actually, I'm wrong. It's it, so I'll good. say this. I watched it the other night. And I'll say this. like I've asked four people since the start of this weekend. I said, or get out and i went back and forth with myself and i'll tell you it's by a hair tyler it is by a hair that this movie is not number one this is this is a near perfect movie and this is a movie that you pick up on so much the second time like a good movie it is infinitely rewatchable because you're picking up new things i feel like i still pick up new things like i feel like I it wasn't i picked up something new that was so incidental but is so fucking great when they're walking through the house and the dad's giving them the tour, he goes, oh, that's the basement. It's locked because we got black mold down there. It's such a non sequitur, but it's like, oh, shit, that's where it almost all goes down. Mm-hmm. And um, also the the like emphasis on black mold. Like, yeah, it could be anything else, but it happens to be like this. It's so slight. Everything is where it should be. I remember listening to an interview with Peel. Mr. Jordan Peel, who? Not Peel. No, no, no. Key. Uh, King and Michael Key. Oh, okay, key. And he was talking about this was like in two thousand and like fifteen, two thousand fourteen. There mm-hmm. he was he was doing like an interview for Key and Pill and he was talking about how talented Jordan Peel was and how like how much he's like a good friend and he's like Jordan has this movie. I'm not going to tell you anything else cuz I want him to make it and I hope he can make it. But he has this movie. I keep I read the script. It's, it's dynamite, man. And he's been he's been working on the script for like for like five years or like six years and like he keeps getting rejected and that script turned out to be get out how stupid do you think you the people who rejected that script must have felt they must have felt real fucking stupid oh i would have been like if i would if i would have found out that someone from my studio rejected that script that person would have been fired i would have been like i'm sorry you'll bounce back i know you will but 
you, you can't do things like that. That's clear, just missed. Oh, it's one of the best written scripts, probably, of the oh, decade. Yeah, no, I read the script, and it's amazing. He sets things up and pays them off maybe better than any movie. Like, I'll give it that. It is the best setup movie in my list, and probably yeah. on yours, too. The, the, what, what happens in that movie? If you can get someone who doesn't know the twist to get out try to get them to watch it without seeing it. It's so worth the wait. I didn't know shit about it. And I went in, I was so floored by that movie. It's a real, it's a real, it's a real. The fucking, the fucking fact that she gets so shitty towards that cop about wanting to see his ID. Yeah. It's not because she's a good person. It's because she doesn't want the police to have a record of him. Well, she's not even a good person in that scene. She's doing that performative, like, white, like, wokeness of, like, how yeah. dare you be racist to my black no, no, friend? But when, like, the but black she, person's like, I got she's this. Doing it, she's doing it to mask it because she has another ulterior motive. I think we're going to spend a little more time on this one because this is higher up on my list and it's on your list as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a double-double. So we talked about where we saw it. We talked about, okay, so let's give the little small plot summaries. By the way, we've spoken about his second movie, Us, on our second episode. Go listen to Us if you want to hear about that. We're not going to talk about it here. Us is a weird movie. Yeah, it's really or good. Is it? Or is it? I don't you'll know. Have to listen. That's the problem. I don't know. Yeah, maybe a, maybe an end of the year list you'll have to hear. Hold on. You'll have to listen to find out. Yes. We're Americans. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's all I'm doing for us because I'm not blowing my voice when I'm going to have to do that later in the year. When I do an all an all episode breakdown of us. Just with my voice like that. No, you're going to do a reenactment of us. Actually, yes. don't even think of it. Don't even. No, no. no. There's, there's a lot of things. <laughs> no, 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 no. Everyone's like, I hated every part of it, but he got all the white people right, weirdly. I'm like, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it wasn't for me. <laughs> to quote Mr. Burns, I'm dreading the reviews. I can tell you that. So Get Out is about this man named Chris, who is played by Daniel Kaluuya. By the way, amazing performance by Daniel oh, Kaluuya. Oh, Absolutely. One of the best performances of the decade. Who is dating a woman played by Allison William named Rose Armitage. They are going up to meet her parents for the first time, played by Catherine Keener and returning again, Bradley Whitford. What a, oh man, what a dynamite cast. Sorry, I like, I was just like looking at like all the people. Like that was, that, that four of Allison Williams, Daniel Kaluuya, Catherine Keener and Bradley we're Whitford. Not, we're, we're not even there yet. Who are her parents, who are Dean and Missy Armitage. Now, if most people don't know this, and Tyler, you can probably relate to this, what a beautiful thing a horror movie does that is so simple is takes a really simple premise and twists it through a really fucked up lens. This is essentially a thing that actually is scary to people who are you and me, because this is essentially the boy being brought home to meet the parents for the first time. Mm -hmm. And do you know the tagline to this movie, Tyler? I feel like I did at one point in time. The tagline to this movie is just because you're invited doesn't mean you're welcome. Oh my God. Do you want to, do, I just scrolled down. Do you want to know another tagline? It's just right as good. Ahead. Do you belong in this neighborhood? Is that really a tagline? Yeah. Oh man. A brilliant wow. thriller and gripping, scary, witty, and timely. Yeah. Do you belong in this neighborhood is wow. I'm glad we went with the other one first. Yeah. I might just, when you say that, go bump, 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 like, oh, no um, good. I feel yeah. like it's one of those things where we can relate to it, but like, it's definitely something where it's like, black people are like, nah, I you know, live this. You know, <laughs> you know what this is? You know what this really is? This is what, and not the Nicolas Cage one, the original Wicker Man does so well. Everyone is in on the joke except for you. Mm -hmm. And that is the, th that is the premise of Get Out. 
everyone else knows something Chris doesn't, and it's up to Chris to kind of discover it. When he does, it's, oh my god, dude, you should have left so long ago, but now that you know, get out of there. And you're saying to yourself, well, why should he be nervous and everything? What we haven't told you is this. Chris is an African-American gentleman. Rose's character, Rose Armitage, is a white girl, and she has never brought an African-American boy home, and he is worried about that, because let's be honest, I mean, that's that's probably a real out... I mean, shit, I think Jordan Peele, uh, like, his rel- his his in-laws are white. And I think they even said to him after this, I think he said this in an interview, they said, do we have a problem? Like that was what they said after they saw the movie. He goes, no, no, but it is scary. Like that was what he kind of said about it. So they go home to meet him and everything seems fine at first. They seem super friendly, but then things start to really not make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And it's a question of, you know what else it is? It's Rosemary's baby. Is Chris just crazy and being oversensitive or is there something really like nefarious coming here? Yeah, is it is I mean it is like Rosemary's baby because he is very inspired by Rosemary's baby. You can tell something is off because you know because you've seen the trailers. But just by the way like Bradley Whitford like some of the things he says is like white liberal kind of like guilt guilty conscience type like pulling a black person aside and being like, you know, I'm one of the good ones. I'd have voted for Obama a third time if I could. Exactly. That that line when he does that, and just you see Chris roll his eyes. Yeah, like internally screaming. (laughs) Yeah, just like, I get it. I know. But like my favorite thing is Bradley Whitford on the set had to be told like why that was such a cringeworthy line because he didn't get it. (laughs) He was like, "Why, why why would he be afraid of something like that? Anyway. This movie is so incredibly tight and well-constructed. It's an hour 44. There's nothing I'd cut out of it. When the scares happen, it's like killing of a sacred deer, except it's not like if killing of a sacred deer is a giant lever that needs five men to push it, it has one person pushing it towards the tension. Whereas with Get Out, there's three guys solidly pushing it and just Mm -hmm. at a nice, even pace. And it just... It gets more and more uncomfortable as you go along, and it just twists your stomach into knots. It's really upsetting. Yeah. So, Tyler, I got to ask you, what is the scariest moment in this movie for you? Because um, mine is the clip that we put at the beginning, which is the scene where they are headed downstairs to leave and Rose can't find the keys. Because fuck me, is that upsetting? I think what might actually be the scariest moment for me, and you might laugh when you hear this, is when Allison Williams is drinking milk and eating dry Fruit Loops. Well, I know what the um, final clip of this is going to be. hate it. Don't like it. Every oh, time I see it. But, but why is she doing it, Tyler? Once again, smart writing. What uh, is that represent? separating the colors from the <laughs> Oh, my God. It's so good. And um, you, by the way, by the way, I got to tell you, Tyler, I don't like to improve on people's scripts. But there's a moment in this movie where I would have added in a line of dialogue that I thought of. And I got to tell you, it might be the most upsetting thing I've ever written. But at the same time, I'm like, that would have popped so heavily in the theater, I think. And I'll tell you when we get there. So we start to find out. And by the way, can I can I just give a love to like three more people, four more people in the cast? Yeah, go for it. Caleb Landry Jones wins the 2019 Horror Ham Award as Jeremy. He's incredible in this movie. He's a son of a bitch in every single movie I've watched. He's going for it. Every second of this movie. Have you seen Safi Brothers Heaven Knows What? I have not. Uh, he's in it. He's only in like the first 15 minutes. Um, he's very good in it. Oh, he's actually, he's in the first 15 minutes and then in like the last again part. He's very good. Upsetting movie. A lot of, lot of trigger warning for dr- uh, heroin use in that movie. Fair uh, enough. 
Yeah. But yeah, heaven knows what. It's a good movie. It's a bummer. These two I'm going to touch on quickly. They're kind of in the background. Marcus Henderson and Betty Gabriel as Walter and Georgina, who are like the servants or help of the place, which, by the way, once again, another all-white family with two black servants. Like, you're just like, oh, this is this is weird. Oh. Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield as Logan King is so great in this movie. And this is the start of the Lakeith, San- Lakeith stanfield assance. <laughs> like, I love Lakeith Stanfield. I will watch that dude in anything he is in. Yeah. Nice no, out is coming up. Can't wait. He's in it. Oh, right. He's in it. Fuck. And shit. then Lil Rel Howard as Rod Williams. The I'll say this. Even though this movie is very dark and upsetting, it's very funny. And it's because of my man Lil Rel uh, Howard. I think it's it's very funny, but they keep it to one character, which yes, is why and it that's works good. It so never well. Breaks out beyond. Although I got to tell you, Jeremy doesn't know he, or I'll tell you this, the guy, Jeremy, he thinks he's in a comedy. He thinks he's the hero of his movie, and I don't want to know <laughs> really? what movie that is. So he gets the D'Onofrio Award, too. <laughs> yeah. He thinks he thinks he's the star. I didn't touch him. <laughs> oh, my God. Just when Allison Williams goes, when she goes, she goes, huh, huh. you know, I can't give you the keys, right, baby? Oh, my God. You're just like, and by the way, like, I love the moment right after that where Jeremy goes, come on. And it like, and like. Daniel Kaluuya's character just like has a look on his face like, I'm going to stunt on this hoe. I'm going to tackle your ass to the ground. And he gets his revenge on Jeremy at the end. Oh, does he? Okay. Oh, and we will, we, ball also gets and we will get there. Revenge. And of course, the final person, he's not in it a ton, but he wins the award for just comes in and not one moment on film is he bad. Steven Root as the blind art dealer. He's, uh, he's Jim so Hudson. good. He's so good. He is also maybe the the character that makes me the angriest. Why is that? The reason he wants Chris's body is because he's blind and he quote unquote has the eye. What makes him such an odious character is he goes, he goes, it's not all about that racial shit for me, Chris. I want you for your eyes. Like, like it's a real selfish dick move. Yeah, it's a real dick move. And also he wants him to, because he wants to be like a good photographer. The problem is yeah. it's like, when he takes over Chris's body, it's not Chris being the photographer. Like, yeah, he's Chris going to strip Chris of, like, his entire, like, ability. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes his whole dick decision is, like, so frustrating. Is because it's just, like, this motherfucker is, like, ruining an artist, essentially. Yeah. For his own sure. selfish means. It is such a, just a well-crafted, like, so just good. smart throw. So... We find out throughout the course of it, because we got to give a little thicker plot here, that Rose's family are all in cahoots to essentially bring someone of African-American status home, kidnap them, make them disappear from society, and for a high-priced bid, this is where it really goes off the rails if this were a less good movie, put the brain of a white person into a black person. And that's where you meet Lakeith Stanfield's character at this big garden party who is a young black man with like a 60-year-old wife. and you start to find out that Chris is next up. And you find out she's not the first black person that she's brought home. This has been going on for quite a while. Yeah, no. Georgina was brought. Walter was brought. Was Lakeith brought? No, Lakeith was grabbed. Remember, remember, because what's his name? Stephen Root is the great line. He goes, um, he says to him, he's like kind of coming out of the funk. And Chris says, Where's Rose? He goes, oh, you dirty dog. He goes, of course, I got to say, I hear the other, I hear the other siblings, uh, Jeremy. He goes, I hear Jeremy's method of, of uh, capture is way less fun. And you see that at the beginning when, like, Lakeith Stample gets grabbed up by that guy in that upsetting mask. But isn't he calling someone? Doesn't he say, hey, babe, I can't find this? He's, like, texting, like, 
uh, we don't someone. see a picture of Lakeith Stanfield, do we? But you we don't. Have... But I think you're supposed to believe that it is also. Oh, I've never put that together. Well, he's saying, that, he sounds like, writing. hey, babe, I can't find it. Yeah. Wow, even better writing. Good for him. Yeah. So look, they're going to take Chris's brain out and put Stephen Root, who bid. By the way, the metaphor for a slave auction, pretty obviously there, but not so much that it just becomes like, okay, we get it. You're you're pushing your agenda. But really it smartly happens, done. It's 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 not even like pushing your agenda, but like when it happens, it's just like fuck, man. That's yeah, fuck. <laughs> and just and how quiet it is, him raising the hand and everything. So you find out they're going to put Stephen Root's brain in Chris's body. And it that's when it kind of becomes like a green room where it becomes a game of survival for Chris. Yeah, and that's and boy, that is it's that is like maybe the tensest thing. I remember watching it in the theater and anytime he like like got one over on the white people, like the entire audience was like, Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and let's say it too, we didn't even talk about how creepy the sunken place is. No. You like, don't need to. It's amazing. No. Yeah, it's it's really well done. Jordan Peele has a real sense of showmanship while also really being a smart writer yeah he's both a visual and storytelling driven guy and that's why i think he's a real talent and he's someone to watch and okay so we get to the breakout scene chris eventually gets free by the way from ripping cotton out of a chair and putting it in his ears once again just beautiful work of metaphor like oh and he gets rid of the brother he gets rid of the father we then get to Catherine. we haven't even talked about her Catherine keener is so nefarious in this movie oscar nominee Catherine keener when her for this movie no for uh for oh, capote uh, no for huh? um we did it on the show did we yeah. being john malkovich yes thank you i was trying to think of it and i couldn't she's also nominated for capote yeah yeah, okay. but the one I was thinking of was being John. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying you're wrong. I no, no, no. I know. I just I I wasn't sure if she was nominated for both or just one. She was nominated uh, for being John Malkovich, right? Yes, she was. Okay. No, no, you're right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Both of us, both of us were there. Catherine Keener's character is the mother of Rose, and I gotta tell you, just this nefarious woman, and just the menace she brings by stirring a cup of tea is something I don't think we'll ever see again in terms of being able to capture something so small being so important. She really strikes me as like those ex like like hippie like child of a hippie type i mean i mean you know who she's kind of like she's mini cast event oh i gotta go lie down it's amazing how much i like this movie and not rosemary's baby it is well this movie isn't made by a monster true that is a real well (laughs) as as far as we know yeah and I'm going to say, uh, I'm praying that he's not. I don't want this to come out next week and be like, Jordan Peele. I'm like, why is it number two? I shouldn't have put it in number two. He eventually gets out and he gets to Catherine Keener's character. When she comes at him and he knocks the cup away, she stabs him through the hand. By the way, second hand stabbing. Yeah. She stabs him through the hand. The look on Daniel Kaluuya's face is, I'm going to kill you. And by the way, and this is the line I would have, I would have taken her by the throat and I would have said, I'm saving your daughter for last. Like, because honestly, I thought he was going to go up there and just kill the shit out of Rose. Keener. And like, by the way, not even the biggest fight. Like, because then you find out, oh, the brother is still alive. Yeah. Somehow. And he beats the brother's ass to death. Oh, man. With oh, that and it's so, that's the most satisfying kill, in my opinion. It's not a bocce ball. What is it? It's the croquet ball. Yeah, croquet ball. Very white. Very white sport. So he beats, he beats the brother's ass to death. And he gets out. And you think to yourself, okay, he's gotten away. Maybe he's just not going to go after Allison Williams. 
it's at this point you find out that, and you've heard about them the whole movie, that the two people who were helping Bradley Whitford and Catherine Keener's parents when they got older are actually fucking them. Mm-hmm. Like you find out that Georgina and Walter are actually the grandparents that have been put into black people's bodies. And it just, it gets progressively fucking stranger. And at the end of it, it I mean, can we really ruin the end of this movie? Like, I mean, if you haven't seen Get Out, uh, yeah, why are you still listening? listening a, you should have stopped a while ago. We'll put a warning. If you haven't seen Get Out, what the fuck are you doing, buddy? Yeah, major spoilers. I mean, he gets away and it ends on a great line. We're T.S. motherfucking A. We handle shit. Consider this shit handled. I do kind of wish it was just like, I told you. Or no, he goes, he gets in the car and he's like, yeah, I didn't, I don't want to say that I told you. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and just Chris shakes his head. And I mean, it's like, this is why he was so qualified to do the Twilight Zone. This is essentially a Twilight Zone episode stretched out into like an hour 40. Yeah, which by the way, I still need to watch those Twilight Zone episodes. It's it's okay. It's fine. I really liked the first one. The first one's great. That might be the strongest one, sadly. Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, there's a couple of good ones. There's a couple where you're like, okay, we good. Did he write it or is he just No, I think think he's just kind of there producing. I'm sure it's a nice paycheck for him to be able to go do something else. I hope that if they do a second season, I hope it's stronger. Because, like, I feel like first seasons of anthologies are usually pretty rough. Yeah, it's a little rough. So, you're probably asking, why does this make it on my list? I mean, we've just given it the praise it's given. This is probably the one we've talked about the most so far. I mean, it, it made it on both of our lists. Yeah, it's and pretty high. Movie. You're at number yeah. three. I'm at number two with it. And, I mean, yeah. I mean, what more do you say? Would this that? make it on our best of decade list? Yes. It wasn't on this. Yes, yes it was. Yes, yes absolutely. Yes, it would. it yes. would probably be number four, if not number if not number five. I like, would probably have it more close to like eight, but yeah, no, it definitely would make it on my Yeah, this was this was sure. the best I'll say this. This was the best movie of two thousand seventeen. Like bar none. Yes. I feel like yeah. I feel like it was one two with Lady Bird and I had a real like one A one B scenario, because I really do love Lady Bird. But yeah, this movie is I know also what you mean. It's it's just so it's 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 the first truly like captivating moment from a filmmaker where you're like, okay, Jordan Peele is a guy who I thought was one thing and is now something else. He is going to be in my life probably for the rest of time. Let's hope. Yeah, it would definitely be on my best decade. I just sent you a picture. Oh, boy, that's what that was. Hold on. I'm charging my laptop. (laughs) You fucking son of a bitch. (laughs) So great. It's the best moment in that movie. Also, when he goes to swing at Jeremy and then the mom tinks the glass and he just falls back and Jeremy goes, did you see him fall? Like, you're just like, I hate you, Jeremy. I hope you die soon. Oh, he gets, he eats it. Oh my God. When he finally is trying to choke him out and he fucking puts his foot up again to keep the door shut so Daniel Kaluuya can hang out and he stabs him in the leg. Oh. oh. You're just like, get him, Daniel Kaluuya. I can't wait to see Queen and Slim based on this movie alone actually yeah no i'm fucking super excited it's a movie i've heard nothing about it's probably not good but like i'm very excited he's by the way he's amazing in widows oh yeah widows yeah. maybe the best villain performance of all time best hero performance of the decade best villain stabbing performance a of the crippled decade. person really 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 a low blow move daniel kalua but not i got even you. not even the worst thing he does he makes that one guy rap and then just like stares at him Oh, like it's like right. super close into his eyes. Widows yeah, Daniel, really... Daniel, Kaluuya, Daniel Kaluuya is a breakout star in this movie. Listen, Steve McQueen's gonna have his time at the end of the year for both of us, probably. I got one. I also got one. Widows probably not like not close to either of our lists, but man, that is a good movie. 
I like Widows a lot. If we ever do two crime movies, like if you ever give me that, I could put Widows in something pretty close to it. Maybe Heat. That's your number three. That's my, my number, number two. Your number two. Which my number two. Us, yeah. Was The Witch. Wait. My number three was Get Out. Your number two is Get Out. So my number two is The Witch, which brings us to your number one. And that brings us then to your number one. No, okay. Your number one. Yes. Not my number one. Your number one. Yes, my number one. But then we will lead to your. Yes. Okay. Okay. We're back on track. So yes. that was your number three, which was my number two, which your number two was the witch. And now we're at my number one. Do you need me to run that back? It's the Ace Ventura joke. Okay. My number one. On June 15th, 2018, I made my way down to the theater with two things on my list. One was seeing the second film of the franchise, The Incredibles. However, the first on my agenda was seeing what was the fuss about a little film that had captured several critics' attention and several podcasters who I deemed quite reputable in their field. I got seated in the theater, and for the next two hours and seven minutes, I was taken on a journey that not only captured my imagination for every second, but also genuinely terrified me, and seven months later would do the same to my wife as well, so much so that she had to whistle while walking down the hallway in the dark. First-time filmmaker Ari Aster storms his way onto the scene and has now, with two films, taken the attention of the horror and film community, starting with the modern-day scream queen, Tony Collette, with an all-star cast including Gabriel Byrne, Millie Shapiro, Alex Wolfe, Ann Dowd, and a ton of nude old people. Coming in at the top spot on my list, this is 2018's masterpiece and the best movie of that year, and if you have to ask me now, yes, would have been number two on my end-of-the-decade list, Hereditary. You okay, Mom? What? Is there something on your mind? Is there something on your mind? It just seems like there might be something you want to say. Yeah. Like what? I mean, why would I want to say something so I could watch you sneer at me? Sneer at you? I don't ever sneer at you. Oh, sweetie, you don't have to. You get your point across. Okay, so fine. Then say what you want to say then. Peter. I don't want to say anything. I've tried saying Okay, things. so try again. Release yourself. Oh, release you, you mean? Yeah, fine. Release me. Just say it. Just fucking say it. Don't you swear at me, you little shit. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. Do you understand? All I do is worry and slave and defend you. And all I get back is that fucking face on your face. 
so full of disdain and resentment and always so annoyed. Well, now your sister is dead. And I know you miss her. And I know it was an accident. And I know you're in pain. And I wish I could take that away for you. I wish I could shield you from the knowledge that you did what you did. But your sister is dead. She's gone forever. And what a waste. If it could have maybe brought us together or something. If you could have just said, I'm sorry, or faced up to what happened, maybe then we could do something with this. But you can't take responsibility for anything. So now I can't accept. And I can't forgive. Because... Because nobody admits anything they've done! I, I don't know what more to say. I fucking love this movie. I watched it again this morning. This is genuinely a man throwing everything he can into a first movie because he knows he might not get a second. And goddamn, Tony Collette is fantastic in this movie. Go ahead, ask your questions. I, we're, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> I feel like right now Tyler is hearing in his head the DMX sign. He's like, God, give me a sign! Because I really need to talk to you. No, I'm hearing the Kill Bill sirens. <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing yeah. <laughs> You just yeah. punched me in the face. Yeah, through the like through the laptop. Oh. I <sighs> Go ahead. When, I can tell okay, you, you said the first time when you saw this, right? June fifteenth, two thousand eighteen. Okay, was that the was that when it came out, or so the day uh, it came out? No, that was that was the day the Incredibles two came out. That's the only reason I know. Okay. I took the day off from work. Okay, went into that movie. I sat yeah. down. I got a little too high beforehand. Full disclosure on the full story. I dropped some M and M's at one point. It made it scarier for everyone else in there. By the way, four people <laughs> sat in this movie with me. That was including me. Oh. Three other people and me. So I will say this. I saw this on a, on a packed house the oh, weekend it opened because Naomi and I were hype. I'd heard about it. It's like, oh, this shit's going to change the game. I walked out. I was like, I think it's kind of good. Naomi was terrified. I went and saw it again with my friend JD, who loved it. This is our both of our like, second time going in. We got through it. I was again, I was just like, I have reservations about it. And then a friend of mine through Naomi was talking about how much she wanted to see it. She wouldn't go see it alone. None of her friends would go see it with her. So I was like, I will go see it with you again. If you pick me up from work, I'll go after work. I'll go see it with you. And we did that. This time I brought my weed pen. I got super baked <laughs> before it. being like, hopefully this makes it better. It somehow made it worse it made me like it, i don't like, think his it, movies are meant to be seen on drugs less enjoyable it is a movie that i have fucking banged my head against like four times i watched it when it came out on like on on vod on almost at home video again that's just gonna be a bit forever now and i just like i keep like banging my head against it just being like work get just have it hit properly <laughs> and it just it's never going to and i have to admit that it's not a movie that i i hate it's a movie that I have so many problems with, just like top to bottom. But first of all, I want to hear what you like about it. The plot of this movie. You know what? <sighs> okay. 
Do you want to give the plot? We don't have to give the plot. We can just I, be like, I do, I do, no, no, I do want to give the plot. And it's a simple plot. After the family matriarch passes away, a grieving family is haunted by a tragic and disturbing occurrence and begins to unravel dark secrets. That is the most base plot line I can give you about this. Essentially speaking, a lot of bad shit happens to a family. And I got to tell you, sometimes it's the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. And sometimes this movie just fucking high steps its way into the funniest unintentional shit I've ever seen. Like this movie upon second and third viewing, the first time I saw it, I was absolutely fucking terrified. The more I watched this movie, I realized that this is also a mildly unintentional comedy, but at its core, what I like about it is Tony Collette is incredible in this movie. Tony Collette should have been up for best actress. Tony Collette should have been up for Best Actress at the Golden Globes. Tony Collette should have been up for Best Actress at every award show. This is the most under underrated performance, I think, in some ways, of the decade. She is so good. There is something about what Tony Collette can do with a horror character to elevate it that is just absolutely spellbinding. She's the first thing I want to say. Second of all, Gabriel Byrne is carrying on the tradition of being a terrible father in a horror movie. Yeah, he's, he's distant and... He's a per- <sighs> like he's James Mason in the original Village of the Damned. Like he's just so checked out. Yeah, he's like in a different. He's in a different movie. <laughs> I'll say I'll say this too. Gabriel, like the scene I picked is the scene where she just yells at her son at dinner, kind of blaming him for the whole thing. There is a third person in that room. You would never know it. I am your mother. <laughs> I think my favorite, one of my favorite unintentionally funny moments in the movie is she goes, "I never wanted to have kids," and then she goes. And puts her hand over her mouth. It's so funny. I don't like the way that Tony Collette's character is treated in the movie. Well, no, um, because but she is the one who's made to suffer. Which is what I don't like about it. Is it feels very much like a movie that was made by someone who has significant mommy issues. And I don't like what it has to say about Tony Collette or about her like suffering because it doesn't seem to be a movie that wants to engage with the fact that she's like been caused this trauma through like her own mother's fault and has in ways inflicted trauma on other people. It doesn't seem to be interested in any of the questions it's asking about its characters, but instead seems to be much more fixated on just making this poor woman suffer for the enjoyment of the audience. Like, I mean, that's why I can't get into his movies. I just I mean, I I disagree. I think we are just happening to see something exceptionally tragic happening to a character and he forces you to sit there to watch it. Like he's like, "Look, this is what you're getting." Like you don't get some like he goes, "Endings aren't always happy. Sometimes shit is just tragic." I understand. And, I, I mean, I, I don't think Midsummer is particularly sad at the end. I think there's actually kind of a like a really like gallows like like bright look at it. I suppose I don't. We're not talking about Midsummer. I'm not not yet. Yet. See you in I December. Think, I think, in many ways, if you're going to do that, mm-hmm. if you're going to go full Lars von Trier. By the way, if you want to get me a gift, please get me the poster to Hereditary. It's one of the most beautiful posters I've ever seen. I will not. <laughs> you bastard. Um, if you're going to go for a lot, Lars von Trier, right? If you're going to go balls to the wall and be like, it's just about human suffering. It's about watching this person just have a bad time all around. 
we're not even engaging with any like at least have the decency to really just like engage with your own internal misogyny your own like fucked up weird warped sense of the world like try and at least bring that into it by just like by like not even by like sanitizing that by just like just it being all about this like mother and like son relationship and like just not even digging into any of like the internalized grief and conflict between them is well i missing the point of why i like movies like this i will say this that actually kind of leads into the best the next part of the topic does it scare us and what is the scariest moment that actually is kind of perfectly leads into it so you talked about the trauma between the mother and the son what causes that trauma is the scariest moment in this movie to me. And yes, this movie does scare me. This movie fucking terror. I was, I'm not kidding you. It was the last day of school when Incredibles 2 came out. So when I went into the next showing of Incredibles 2, not the first showing of the day, but probably the second showing, there were like 75 kids in there. And I thought to myself as I sat down, okay, if somehow Hereditary gets its way into this theater and tries to kill me, there's a lot of kids it has to get through first. I can probably get to that door before him. I can just keep whipping kids at it. Uh, I'm not kidding you. Genuinely terrifying movie. I was freaked out by Hereditary. It's like the joke from Patton Oswalt. It's like, when did I, what amount of Maxwell silver hammer did I put in my body to get to this perfect moment? That's how I feel about Hereditary. I was like, I was at the right time, the right moment. And it just has grabbed me. And I'll say this too. I am a guy who, and mo- you are the deepest of film nerds like me, so you'll understand this. When you find someone who you hook in with, especially a filmmaker, you want to defend that person and you want to take that person's side and you want to really make sure that person is like well-represented because you want that person in your life telling you stories. That's how I feel about Ari Aster, man. Dude's, dude's a, and I know you don't like him. I know you got your problems with Mr. Aster. But I, I feel but I, the exact opposite way. <laughs> and I'll tell you this right now, Tyler. When Mr. Aster completes his third and his fourth masterpiece, I'm really going to stump for us to do a um, Mount Rushmore where you have to pick all four of them. I think it would be so funny. It would be so worth it just to watch you have to pick Ari Aster's four movies and two of them have to be this and Midsommar. Oh, two movies fourth. You can't do it. You can't do it. You're breaking the laws. I'll start bringing uh, in shorts. Oh, God. So what causes this tension between the mother and the son is the mom's mother dies. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, their da- her daughter, Tony Collette's daughter, is killed. By the way, I want to say something. Millie Shapiro, I'm sure, is a really nice young girl, and she's quite good in this movie. She has the most upsettingly large head I've ever seen on a child. Yeah, it's a, I mean, that's that too. Like, he fixates on like deformity and like old people being naked. And I don't find that upsetting. Like, I just, I don't. So when I see these like, like shots where it's like, oh, isn't that upsetting? I'm like, no, it's not. Like, you're upsetting Ari Aster. Like, you clearly have a thing, and you should go to a therapist and work it out. Not show me images of, like, normal people who happen to look like that. Like, stop it. Like, I, there's, ugh. My blood is starting to boil. I'm starting to get real mad. Oh, I love it. I love it. I knew it was going to be worth it. I'm so <sighs> glad we held off. Oh, so many times I could have put this on a list. Or I could have put this in a double feature somewhere, but I didn't. Oh, it was worth it. So... 
I'll say it's scariest moment is when that little girl, Millie Shapiro, gets her head knocked off, quite literally, in a car. And my God, is that scene like just jump worthy and scary? I will say I made it. I laughed, but you're it, a bad person. I've never heard. You're, you're a bad I person. Just a little child just like, died. I laugh when stuff like that happens in movies. It's 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 it's. it's I don't know. It's just I'm a nervous person. I laugh when stuff like that happens. But like the oh, gas. Oh, thank God! One of the, Tyler was actually laughing. He goes, "Oh, thank God! One of the killers is, or characters is dead. If we can get rid of the rest of them, maybe this fucking movie will be over." I okay. typically, when a movie I don't like, like when I don't like a movie, I typically d- doesn't get to me. I typically am able to like be level-headed about it, but mm, hereditary, ah, yeah, different beast. It, and it's a movie that forces you to sit there. And I think it's kind of like what I've said with Hounds of Love and a couple other movies. And Raw, actually, too. You feel just genuinely uncomfortable during this movie. And, like, it's uncomfortable for different reasons. For you, it's just because you're like, oh, fuck you. Whereas with me, I'm just like, oh, I I'm, I'm really feel like I'm just watching someone's personal life that I shouldn't see. Yeah, and, like, I'm just... I, to me, it's just like, I don't want to see this dude just go to therapy. Like, don't fucking bring me into your family drama. <laughs> like, I don't care. And I'll say <laughs> like, this, too. Um, never trust Ann Dowd. There, I said it. Yeah, well... Yeah. I mean, she's she's pretty dope. So she loses the daughter, and it's kind of because the son was, like, going to a party and wasn't watching her. And Tony Collette's character, like, it through this, like, weird shit starts to happen. You start to find out that the mother that Tony Collette lost might have been into some really weird Satanist shit. Yeah, they, she was, like, some weird offshoot of Satanism. And... You start to find out that maybe something was going on where the grandmother was trying to get a hold of one of her kids so she could use them for some sort of thing. And I mean, at this point, I'm just going to say it. You find out that the son was intended to be like a vessel for this chaos God. But it didn't happen. And so they put the chaos God in what's her face? Charlie. Uh, Charlie. And now that Charlie's dead, it kind of brings this all this whole thing that she had in and Charlie gets into fucking the other the son's body and uh, who gives a fucking shit doesn't mean anything who cares you're right, you're right. it was incredible everyone liked it <laughs> except you you are so angry at nothing it doesn't what is the metaphor for that supposed to mean look i don't mean? i don't know if there is i think i think at one point it's one thing and then it goes off the rails into a balls out crazy horror movie when tony collette crawls across the ceiling I am wearing my knee out laughing because it's so outrageously funny. The first time it's terrifying, but after that, it's funny. It's an unintentional comedy too. It's such a funny movie in its own way. When Gabriel Byrne lights on fire for no reason, I I have no idea what's going on. You feel like you are in the hands of a man who doesn't quite have his medication balanced. And I don't care. I'm just along for this insane ride. All the shit in that movie is exactly what I want from a horror movie. I want to not know where I'm going for an for two hours and he does that i never know what's going on i can never get a hold of the rails on that one and i still can can follow it go ahead can we talk about Chekhov's knife that's cutting nuts i feel like Chekhov talked about that that like when they're like cutting the nuts and you're just like oh that's something bad's gonna happen with those nuts man earlier in the movie she's eating a candy bar and they say does that have nuts in it but you don't need to like fixate on it you could just show them in the background cutting nuts you don't have to like be like Get it, guys? You know what's going to happen. It's Bad a little ham fisted. I it's, will give you that. He isn't a good storyteller. Yes, I, he is. He no. makes entertaining movies. He oh. makes he makes entertaining movies that I enjoy watching. You leave Ari Aster alone. You look, leave him alone. Look. Yes. 
typewriters. Someone should break his typewriters. That's all I'm saying. Is just oh break his hands. God. Don't let him write. Don't let him oh write my... things. He can't write. Can he direct? Sure. Like, he's a solid director, but, like, he can't write worth fucking anything. So you're saying if you could see his next movie, you'd like to see him do someone else's script? Yeah, adapt something or like take take someone else's script. Like you can direct really well. You know how to you know how to like make an image very striking. But like what he puts into movies, and he's done it in like two or three now, is just stuff that I just find so boring and pedestrian and mediocre that like I don't want to watch another one of his movies. I'm just like I'm done. I'm like I'm. This is the most out of a director I've ever been in my entire life. It's just like I'm just like no. I tried with Hereditary. I'm not. I'm gonna try again with Midsummer, and I'm no. I'm putting my hands in the air. I'm going done into the ether. You're, you're doing. You're doing token from uh, that episode of South Park. I'm out. Yep. Just like good. I'm like. Like Mookie, I'm going. I got it. I'm gone. Like I. Just... Okay. Okay. Oh, that's gonna make that Christmas present I send you of um just a midsummer DVD wrapped in newspaper really upsetting. <laughs> Throw it in the street. By the way, by the way, Tyler, I don't want to tell you something. I don't want to tell you uh something that's gonna upset you further. But I may have pre-ordered Midsummer a couple days ago. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be here October 8th so I'm gonna need your address cause I gotta send you something non-Midsummer related <laughs> Ben I appreciate that you like these movies I want, I, appreciate, you to, I want you to like them too Tyler I appreciate that you like Ari Aster as a director I do, I do. That's, that's fine there are directors that I like that you don't like there are movies that I like that you don't like oh, that's, yeah, that's fine this podcast. I'm I can't i am my crops are dying i am so tired <laughs> well here let us let us get to the last two questions okay uh, why did this make it on my list because this is just this is everything i want in a horror movie and more it's perfect this was number one in 2018 for me for best of the decade or for best of the year so to answer your question this would have probably been in the top four of my best of the decade midsummer would not have made my best of the decade i will fully admit that but hereditary is one of the most original unique and upsettingly creepy films i've ever seen and i loved every second of it i every time i put it on i'm like i know what i'm in for this is an old friend it was close between this and get out get out was a huge huge movie and honestly i i just i wasn't sure what I, like, I got a handle on Get Out, but the first time I saw Hereditary, I didn't see it again until it was on, like, DVD, and I was like, fuck, I really need to watch it again. I watched it as soon as I could again, and I just, it still grabbed me. And it, and it's a movie that I love watching with people who haven't seen it, because you just, you get to, you get to kind of almost vicariously live through what they get to see the first time. That That's I, what it is. I think that at the end of the day, that's what it is. I think he makes very entertaining movies that, yes, I can understand where, I, you're not wrong in what you're saying about storytelling, like, there are things I could easily see about that. I'm sure Midsummer is not going to hold up as well the third time I see it. Yes, I've seen it twice. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> twice in twice in one day. Yeah, <laughs> wild. You're like you nut. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what I'm going to say. It would have been on my. This would have been on my best of the decade list for sure. This would have been on my best of 2018 last year. Probably was number one if I'm pretty sure last year. So yeah, look at it that way. That I think takes us out of my number one. We have closed the books on mine. And we'll, of course, go 10 to 1 when we count them down at the end. But we still have one more film to talk about. And Tyler, uh, yeah, what is quick. your uh, number one? Should it? Quick little jaunt. <laughs> I'll let you go. Through the Scottish countryside. Um, my number one is directed by Jonathan Glazer. 
It is an adaptation of a 2003 novel of the same name. It stars Scarlett Johansson. It takes place in Scotland. It's about an alien. It's under the skin. When did you first see this movie? I saw it like years after it came out. I'm just kidding, Tyler. Who the fuck do you think you are? What is this movie? What is Uh, this movie? You want a scare? Here's a scare. You and I are going to have a real talk. You just took me outside behind the woodshed for hereditary. Get ready. I'm building a second woodshed. Uh, well, that's fine. At least my movie's... No. <laughs> what the fuck were you about to say? What was your movie, Tyler? Huh? It's called It's called an opinion. No. In all honesty, when did you first see this movie? I saw this movie in 2016. I saw it on Hulu, I think. It was like on... It's like it was randomly on one of the streaming websites. I, I might have actually uh, downloaded it. I don't remember. And I remember watching it for the first time and just being blown away by everything. It's about. I'm gonna yeah, give you a little plot. Yeah, give us. The- um, so this it's a very it's you know it's everybody's heard this story before. It's about an alien who takes the body of a woman and takes men off the street and puts them into a gel in this like giant black infinity room where they, she leads old as time they lead them into the the room and they like drown in the gloop but they're actually alive in the gloop and then sometimes they turn into giant ribbons of skin it's very strange it's very normal and it happens all the time and, I think. and this uh, woman is obviously someone we've never heard of right this isn't some star or anything it's scarlett johansson what and the uh, fuck man what the fuck who uh, convinced her to do this movie? Jonathan Glazer, director of Sexy Beast and Birth. I love both of those movies. Like, this is the weirdest part about this is like, Sexy Beast is low-key one of the best gangster movies ever made. It's like one of the best movies of the 90s. Like, it it really is. Second of all, Birth is just such a swing for the fences. It might not always work, but man, it's a solid triple. 
<laughs> this movie's a fucking swing for the fences. This movie's a movie well, swing I, for the parking lot. Let me tell you something. We've run out of bats. All we have is this kitchen sink. He goes, excuse me. He picks up the kitchen sink and just walks to the bat. He goes, who is that? He goes, that's old Jonathan Glazer, the worst right fielder we've ever had. And he's <laughs> our only hope. For me, he knocks the ball straight out of the park and into the parking lot. I'll say this. I'm never bored by this movie. And, okay, I need to say this because if I don't say this, I'm not being true to myself. And that's the last person I don't want to be true to in this world. Ever since I've known about Scarlett Johansson as a fully... Not not fully straight, but just as as a man who prefers the fairer sex and can appreciate a man for a good-looking guy but prefers the fairer sex. I've always been fascinated by Scarlett Johansson. She is one of the most beautiful women on the planet. And we get just Scarlett Johansson in this, just, she is, this might be the sexiest Scarlett Johansson ever. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Like, I don't know how better to put it. Like, Scarlett Johansson in this movie is just sex personified, but at the same time is this horrible monster. And it's it's actually what makes the performance so incredible. I disagree with you. I what don't do you think mean? She's a, I don't think she's a horrible monster. Oh, I don't think she's a horrible monster in the way that you're thinking I'm thinking she's a horrible monster. She's doing this because she needs to eat. Yeah, well, is it eating? I We don't know. We kind of don't understand why they're doing it. They're just doing it. And it's... I don't know. Well, I've never understood plot. why. So the plot is... There's a man on a bicycle, on a, on a motorcycle. Yeah. And there's Scarlett Johansson, who is some sort of alien, we think. And she drives around Scotland, and she finds men who don't have girlfriends or are alone. And she takes them back to her apartment as if, like, to, like, have sex with them. And then, goop, into the, into the drink they go. And she just keeps doing this. Eventually, she... Does she she stops because of the the one guy who's kind of all like kind of has like elephantitis I think mm-hmm. she feels really bad for him um, she kind of develops this like empathy over the course of doing this over the course of just being human and like seeing humans and like going out and interacting with them and then because of that she has to go on the run because the motorcycle man who in the script is called the bad man is now chasing her and. She goes through like the the Scottish countryside. She finds another guy who takes her in, houses her, kind of falls in love with her. You see this moment where he takes her down into this like Scottish uh, castle, and she freaks out because she realizes what she was doing to the people that she had met on the street and how wrong it was and how, how claustrophobic it is. And she starts to feel like remorse. And oh, I've never, I never she put begins that together. She begins to, like, develop these human emotions, and by developing those human emotions, uh, she is eventually undone by a human who tries to uh, assault her and causes her demise, essentially. Um, So the whole movie is about how empathy is how humans uh, relate to one another, connect to one another, understand one another. It's how we bridge into loneliness and out of loneliness, and it's also the thing that can totally unravel our entire like sense of self, our sense of being. It can unravel who we are. It can actually end up destroying us completely. And this is a movie that I have. I didn't stop thinking about since the first time I watched it. Rewatching it for this just 
totally heightened my belief that this is not only one of the best movies of the decade, but like one of the best just movies of all time. I love it. I will fight. I will fight for this movie for the end of my end of my days. It's perfect. I hate Scarlett Johansson as like a person, but this is like honestly one of the best performances of any movie I've ever seen. Is there more I can say about this? Probably. We'll find out. Look, everything he's saying is not wrong. This is a movie that really, really went for something. And in my opinion, does it work all the time? No, certain parts of this movie feel like a slog. And to be fair, this movie is one hour, 48 minutes. This movie is shorter than other movies on this list. This movie is paced like a snail is riding a much older snail. You have to be patient with this movie and you have to be like, and it's weird because I can compare it to my number one. You have to be prepared for the fact that you really don't know what's going on and you're kind of never really going to get those answers. Yeah. You have a general idea, but you're kind of left in the dark. And the, the for me, I rewatching it, I forgot that the first like 10 minutes of the movie are just like abstract shots of like lights and darkness and then like eventually it's this like eyeball on the center Mm. of the screen and it's like this eye that's like looking back at you and as soon as i watched that i was just like i'm fucking i'm in (laughs) this is this is i'm hooked okay (laughs) but like i can totally see if like if like that's not for you then that is not for you um it's understandable it's a movie that's like deals in a lot of like little nuances like there's a moment where she's like undressing this dead woman and she's like totally not interested in like the body at all, but then becomes like transfixed on like an ant in the room. Mm-hmm. And that speaks like a lot to like how this character starts. Okay. I want to talk about her because she's, she is the movie. She's on screen the, the same amount as like Tony Collette is in her editor. It's all about that person. I have a theory on why I think Scarlett Johansson works in this movie. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. I don't think Scarlett Johansson is a particularly good actor. Agreed? She's good in certain things, like this, and I think another movie that we've talked about, Ghost World. Okay, fair enough. She is good. And I think if you stick her with a good director, you may get something good out of her. She might be only as good as the person directing her and potentially who she's starring across from. However, that would be null and voided with the starring across from because all the people in this were not actors, mm-hmm. which we should touch on at some point. What I want to ask you is this. Do you think it's because Scarlett Johansson has the ability to make such a blank face that everything that she is like looking at almost feels like an alien is observing it? She's very good at that, like Keanu Reeves, like mono face where it's like okay. you can project yourself yeah. onto it. Um, but Keanu which... Reeves is charming, at least. Yeah, Scarlett Scarlett Johansson's kind of charmless in almost everything she does. Like, I'm never really, like, Team Scarlett in almost anything. I mean, you could point... I could point to, like, a couple of performances. Like, I really like her in Ghost World. I hate Lost in Translation, but, like, she's good in it. I just hate that. I think the movie's morally (laughs) reprehensible. That's my take on it, but, you know, I know it's not everybody's. There's a couple others. I think she's awful as Black Widow. Like... (laughs) Like every time I see her pop up in like one of the Marvel movies, I'm just like, oh yeah, why? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, um, you got a lot of her recently, I bet. I did, and we'll talk about it towards the end of the year, probably. Yes, we will. I don't particularly love Scarlett Johansson as an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, 
How do you feel about her taste in men? Absolutely. Colin <laughs> Jost is despicable. I think Sean it's, Penn. Sean, every, no, stop it. And I don't particularly like her as a person. She said a lot of things recently, especially about like trans actors and about like, so many things that it's like really hard for me to like let that slide. But in this movie, it's fucking straight heat. Like, this is one of my favorite performances of the decade, for sure. And of probably the 20th, the 21st century. That leads me to the next question, because you've pretty much given us the plot of this movie. She's driving around absorbing men or whatever the hell that is. Yeah, we don't really and, know. I yeah, don't you don't know. really know. You're, you're never really <laughs> given the answers. And that's one of the things I think that not unlike Hereditary with you, you're like, stop giving me your therapy sessions. I'm like, be more clear. Which I can understand that. Some movies are good ambiguous. This gen just doesn't work as well for me. Does this movie scare you? And what is the scariest moment in this movie? Well, it scares me on like an existential level. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I described this movie to one of my friends. I said, it's like it's like getting into a bed that's new, clean satin sheets, but finding that there is one piece of hay in it and you can't like get rid of it. It's just this like weird discomforting thing that you just keep even running if, into. Even if you get the piece of hay out, there's some little thistle there's, of it still in there. There's something in the in the sheets that is annoying you and it's like other than that it's like this perfect well-fitted it like it feels amazing forever like, unclean yeah it's kind of like a weighted blanket for me like but like there's something in the weighted blanket that's like poking me in the stomach and i can't find a way to get rid of it hmm. um it's kind of like that it's this movie that's like really therapeutic and kind of like beautiful and just sort of washes over you but then it's also almost is drowning you at the same yeah time. It's, like, also, like, disturbing on, like, the level of, like, what it has to say about, like, human nature and, like, empathy and our causing our own doing and our, our own undoing and, like, how we treat one another, how we relate to one another. And, then like, stuff like that is, like, what, it, like, I get out of it. That's just, like, it, like, it's just, like, a little, like, uh, and I think the scariest scene is actually, there is a really scary scene in it where one of the characters goes into the loop, like, one of the guys does, and he touches... The like still alive. Oh yeah, other guy. That might be the scariest moment. That guy who goes bloop. <laughs> and like, also, turns, her leaving like the a... baby on the beach is pretty horrifying. Yeah, that's a rough scene, man. <laughs> you might be turning me around on this. There's no chance to save Hereditary for you. You, I have... tried. I've yeah. Tried I oh, so oh, I know. Times. I can't wait till you go see Midsummer again, and I just get a text just going, nope. Just, I just want a movie where it's you. It with in a, it starts off with you in a room being like, "You're gonna explain your goddamn self, you son of a bitch." And the camera just pans around. It's Ari Aster tied to a chair, and you're like, "You're gonna explain to me what the hell you're going for?" You're like a lead pipe. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you, if I don't like those answers, we're gonna get different answers. Oh, you're crying. Well, let me tell you something. Tears equal truth. We're getting some goddamn truth out of those eyes tonight. You're like, oh my god, Tyler's gonna become a monster. Let me ask you this: Why did this make your list? More importantly, why was this your number one? I feel like I, I might have kind of answered that a little bit. I just, I absolutely love this movie. I love thinking about it. I love talking about it. I love when people disagree with me about it. And like, I'm like, I can be like, no, but it's like this, man. Like the same reasons that hereditary. Um, yeah. You're passionate about this movie. I'm really, I, just, I absolutely love it. Want to protect I, this movie. I do. I really do. And I know people, I know there's people who like, don't like it as much as I do. It's totally understandable. Get it? There's a lot that you can read into this movie. If you are, int- if people are interested, you can read what like trans critics have to say about this movie. I find it endlessly fascinating that people have like kind of like taken this and put it into the like the trans movie canon. I find that super interesting. 
it's a rabbit hole that I love getting down because like it's a movie that is so open to interpretation that like each new interpretation is so fascinating to me. It's kind of like The Shining, but like not to that level, like where people are like projecting like insane shit into it. But like just like I love hearing like what anybody has to say about this movie because it's it's they're all kind of a little different and that's what makes this movie so fascinating. I even like when hearing like people dissenting and being like, no, it's too slow. It's like, it's boring. Like I don't like Scarlett Johansson. Like I'm like, I get it, man. You're like, like me too. It's like a movie. Well, it's also like a movie that's like it, when it starts to get going and it starts to develop, it like will do things that make it more avant-garde and more weird. And like, do things that like intentionally make it harder for you to get into the rhythm of the movie. And then once it like, finally like has its momentum it like becomes a different type of movie yeah that's fair it like completely switches on you like it becomes like this movie where you're watching someone be the predator and then becomes a movie where they are the prey like they are the person that's running and i think that's hmm. uh, it's, it's oh, I, love Under the see, skin. I didn't i didn't put together the whole that the guy on the bike is the bad guy i thought they were both doing this they start out as like equals they start out as like people who are both doing it but when she runs, it's he is trying to find her yeah, fair and enough. kill her. And then he watches her burning from like the mountaintop. So That's right. That's in right. many he ways, does. you can kind of put together that maybe he did stuff to put that into motion. Mm, OK, I can see which that. Is how I kind of see it as like he did. He's doing some like weird because he's also an alien, probably is what you're supposed to. Yeah. assume. So my thought was always like he did some like mental stuff to make this all kind of work out and happen and when let her get away essentially fair enough okay you've turned me around on it a little bit i it's just it's not for me the pacing is a little too slow and i guess my last question is and i think it's pretty obvious this would be on your end of the decade list yeah because for this list which the witch and under the skin were like 1a 1 2 like 1a 1b get out and hereditary I mean, were that for me they were yeah be where on there. the only reason i flipped the witch was because from one which is where it was was because you already had it on your list so i was like well i'll have something to talk to i talk about at the end of the episode true uh, with under the skin but yeah no I that's what it. kind of get out was with me with hereditary yeah it was one and two but i was like i'll at least be able to talk about hereditary and i just be like my number one is get out like yeah. that's it yeah yeah but yeah under the skin if you've never seen it which it's a possibility it's on netflix not how i watched it i watched it on canopy because i didn't know it was on netflix but that's beside the point um it's even if you don't like it you'll get something out of it <laughs> <laughs> you'll get like you know what yeah you'll get like either you'll get an experience you'll be able to tell people like watch this weird movie like i watched this weird movie called under the skin it was super trippy um I think, or, I think you can say that for both of our number ones yeah. like it or hate it you will get something out of it i'm in no way against like watching hereditary you're you, against ari aster i'm against the person who made it <laughs> no if you if you like if stone you, cold ari aster if you've never seen hereditary definitely go watch it uh, uh, and if you've never seen Under the Skin, definitely go watch definitely it. Definitely go watch it. I, I would say that too. Look, I saw this movie. It wasn't necessarily going to ever be on my top 10, but I understand why you like it. Like, it's a it's a very inventive movie. Yeah. And it, it's and I'll say this too, not unlike Yorgos Lantimos, get a real Kubrickian vibe off of him too. Like, yeah. Just his this style movie is, and like... This movie feels very 2001. It does. <laughs> With some of its, but it feels like it's trying to like... It's like a micro-budget version of 2001 that's also trying to reinvent new well, filmic ideas. 
think we have to bring him in. Ang Lee. What if 2001, but on a budget? Yeah, it's, I mean, he's going for a lot, but he's doing it in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. well, we did it, Tyler. That's all, our list. We're all four hours and 26 minutes of it, which will be split up into two. Yeah. That's, it, of course, right now at the time before we've edited. So it could be shorter, could be longer. Who knows? But guys, thank you for coming along on this journey. And once again, Tyler, before we leave them with this and we get to next week's film, why don't you tell us again your 10 to 1, your films? 10 to 1, starting with 10, it's The Crazies, Hounds of Love, The Babadook, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, Unsane, Raw, Green Room, Get Out, The Witch, and Under the Skin. And my 10, of course, were Raw, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, The Conjuring, I Saw the Devil, Fright Night, The Witch, It, The Cabin in the Woods, Get Out, and number one, Hereditary, the greatest horror movie of the decade, according to both of us, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, according to both of us. No (laughs) argument here. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. And those are our (laughs) ten. Those are our (laughs) ten. Tyler's like, now who's buying the plane ticket, you son of a bitch? (laughs) Those are are our top ten. Guys, thank you for listening to this bulky two-parter. We are so glad you enjoyed it. We will most likely be taking, I guess they won't know we're taking a week off, huh? No, we should just, uh, I should, we should do it. It's coming up next, right? Yeah, I guess so. And that takes us out. Everyone's like, oh my God, why did we decide to go to that 20 hour marathon? Was it because they're only charging $5? (laughs) Why did they? They have to be losing money, right? Why did they show Hounds of Love? I'm so tired. Oh, when, just when you thought it was over, just when you're like, oh, I'm so sad from Hereditary and I'm so depressed. Then he brings out Under the Skin and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> to be fair, I, to, to get a chance to see Under the Skin in cinema, I would traumatize a whole group of people. That's fair. I get yeah. you. Yeah. If, I could uh, watch, if I could watch Hereditary one more time in theaters, I would happily strap you next to I me will... with your eyes open. I will say that I would go see it again because that one scene, every time I've seen it in theaters, has elicited gasps. Which scene? Uh, uh, you know the scene. Oh, the thump? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be worth seeing. Except for me because I'm kind of chuckling every time it happens. <laughs> not you like, fucking dead bitch, Millie Shapiro! You're just I, screaming. I'm not Max Katie and fucking Cape Fear. No, I'm like chuckling. I'm like under my breath. Your... Uh, I now just want to like, like somehow put scene of her in the car and just put Sideshow Bob laughing underneath it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that. Speaking of noirs, what's uh, happening next week on the pod? Well, it's Noir Vember. For two of the four weeks out of the month of November, we do noir movies. I'll be later in the month picking two noir movies for Tyler to do. But it's uh, Tyler asking me for two noir movies. And, you know, Tyler, I googled noir movies, and I came across an old friend, Tyler. And in 1941, there was a movie that starred a certain fellow named Humphrey Bogart. And unfortunately, we're not going to be doing the Maltese Falcon, because that'd be some basic bitch noir. Actually, Tyler, we're going to take a look at one of the first successful Kubrick movies in 1956's The Killing. And you and I are going to get deep into The Killing. I love that movie. I love that movie. And then, Tyler, you and I are going to take a jump two years into the future from 1956 to 1958. And we're going to take a little with a filmmaker who, some have argued, has made the greatest movie of all time. 
And we're going to look at what I think could be an argument for maybe his second greatest movie. And you know what? At times in this movie, Tyler, might be some of his best work as he takes Charlton Heston and forces him to play a Mexican. And he, of course, stars as the second lead as a fat washed up cop who is out of time in a little border town movie called Touch of Evil from 1958. Oh, all right. Yeah. Hell yeah. Have you seen Touch of Evil? I have. I've seen both of these. Oh, good. Me too. I'm excited to rewatch them. Yes. So it's Noir Vember. I don't know if I'm going to pick it after this one, guys. We might be getting something else in there. But eventually, throughout the month of November, he will get another Noir movie from me. Oh, God. Thank God. I'm going to be able to pick some Noirs. I'm loving it. You might get Neo-Noirs, though. I'm down with that, too. Yeah. Make make this motherfucker watch Night Moves. Night Moves. Why does that sound familiar? Uh, it's a Bob Seger song, and it's also an Arthur Penn movie starring Gene Hackman. Oh, that sounds familiar. Hmm. James okay. Woods is also in it, so that's a downside, you, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, James Woods is a downside. But, oh, fuck, there was some movie I wanted to tell you I saw that was noir-ish. Mm, fuck, I don't remember. Okay, so next week, guys, it is 1956's Stanley Kubrick's The Killing, and then the Orson Welles movie from two years later in 1958, which really makes you realize Kubrick and Welles were making movies at the same time the movie touch of evil you guys can of course follow us anywhere at twgtf is featured make sure you're writing us a five-star review i'm seeing that we're getting to gain some listeners we have at least seven steady listeners on our <laughs> thing. yeah it's not a lot but we're working on it um i'm gonna look into maybe doing some stuff later on but we do have like over 300 downloads that's good yeah so we are growing and we're keeping on it and guys we need you to make sure you're keeping on by writing us nice reviews Saying nice things. Don't don't question anyone's manliness here. That's that's not okay. I mean, you can question mine. I I don't fucking care. You say whatever you <laughs> want to me. Sticks and fair, stones, bitch. Fair fair enough. Fair enough. I I am very testy. <laughs> ah, man, just think when Midsummer is my number one movie of 2019. What's it's what's not he... even that? I think it's just like all of the tension in my body has like finally given out. <laughs> but you can of course find us in all those places. Tyler, do you have anything to plug? Still like making lists somehow. It's true. We all do love making lists. And guys, for TWGTF, Two White Guys Talking Film, I have, of course, been your host, Ben. And I am an alien searching for men in which to consume their skin. And remember, guys, if you're sitting in the front row and Scarlett Johansson sits next to you and she wants to take you back to your apartment and bang your brains out, she's probably an alien. But hey, maybe she's not. Who knows? Two White Guys Talking Film!